kind of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989. We had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Something wrong with your lips? Greetings and salutations, my fellow Skywatchers from all corners of the globe. Every little corner. We're back live on air once again on this beautiful June 24th, 2015. Depending on where you are, I guess it would be the 24th, 25th, 26th, 23rd. Doesn't matter. We're back live, of course, broadcasting from New Logic Studios in Miami, Florida. I am Angel Espino. Is your host, and, of, of course, you know, I'm joined every week here by my hetero radio life mate, Alan, Dun. a.k.a. the other guy. That's me! <laughs> and for those listening who hate the sound effects, I'm sorry, that wasn't a uh, sound effect, that was my phone going off in the background. Sorry about that. But what's up, buddy? Okay. Not much, man. How are you doing out there, and uh, how are you feeling, and... Uh... Why did we almost have no show tonight? You might want to tell the guests why. We want to take and we want to hear everybody's sympathy. Oh man, really? Do you, do you want me to like pray for sympathy tonight and get some sympathy from the audience? Absolutely, I definitely want you to do that. Why? So because cheap. you deserve it. That's cheap, though, man. Seriously, you work you work your butt off, and you don't get enough people. We don't get enough people calling in to our show and now maybe with a little bit of sympathy factor here maybe we can get them to call probably not but i am heavily medicated tonight and that's always a good thing depending on your definition on good or bad i guess so folks if you have any faux pas <laughs> that you hear tonight uh, it's actually going to be him doing it all angel that's right it's angel's yes. fault all the time angel's fault at least tonight it might be see i i also um not hearing very well from my left ear because of uh, a what? side effect from the medication. I'm sorry, uh, what? Exactly. And um, the medication that they gave me for this surgery that I had uh, this, uh, you know, yesterday, um, on Monday, actually, uh, the surgery that I had, uh, which wasn't really like a very major procedure, uh, the medication is making it seem like I had my gallbladder removed. I mean, they said I got three months worth of medication, people. It, it's okay, it's I incredible. Thought it, I thought it was an ED issue, but okay. A what? An ED issue. The heck is an ED issue? Erectile dysfunction. Ah, no, that's what you suffer from, my friend, not I. That's why I don't even know what that means. You know you're right, saying? you're right. Every time it pops out, it pops out. I am right. Out. Exactly, well. You know, I, I love that there. joke when Robin Williams walked up on stage, God rest his soul, in, rest the, in, uh, in uh, Carnegie Hall. He walks in and goes, howdy! And he's like, oops, wrong Rapa house. Uh, but what he also does in that routine is he says, I'd like to show you something very proud of, but uh, that I'm very proud of, but you have to stand back. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was pretty funny. It was. You and know that reminded me of you. 
Thank you. You know, the, wow. You know what? What wasn't very funny though? No, what? Spending six hours in the hospital waiting to get a doctor to see me. Well, welcome to Miami, and you got no uh, health insurance except for Obamacare. Yeah, and no. Here's another thing. Uh, this is uh, something else I love. Um, I just recently got you know on Obamacare, right? I uh, got my medical health plan uh, thing going. Uh, the medication they gave me is not covered. I got to pay out of pocket. I'm afraid to ask how much you're going to be spending. Yeah, about sixty bucks a, a bottle, and I got to take it for oh, three that's, months. Dude, that's not bad. Yeah, but sixty dollars, man. You know, you know what I could do with sixty bucks? Okay, okay. I got to, I got to tell you this. Um, my girlfriend's daughter is on hormone therapy. Um, she transitioning for, like uh, like Bruce? No, no, or? no, 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 no. Oh, She's okay, not no. transitioning like Bruce or anything. Oh, okay, all right. But good. you know, it, it just helping her develop because she has low estrogen. Ah. Her her medication that she takes every other night is eighty two hundred dollars a month. Ouch. I'm, Ouch. So, I'm sorry. Hang on. What did you say? My goodness. Oh, I'm sorry. Eighty two hundred a month. Yeah, that's her growth hormones. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, you well, want to do it, about six, dude? You want to complain about sixty bucks a bottle? Come on, come on! Hey, I, I'm fr- I, I'm cheap. What can I say? No, no, no! You're a used <laughs> car salesman. That's why. That's exactly. Why. I'm a cheap used car salesman. You said it exactly. <laughs> that's right. Folks, folks. By the way, if you want to complain about uh, anything you're hearing tonight, please call in and don't forget, Angel. Since I never ever remember the number, please tell everybody what it is. Seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. Again, that's 786-245-8127. At some point tonight, I might forget those numbers or I might forget to say something important or other. Uh, I might, you know, mumble my words here and there. Be kind. Be gentle. I'm on heavy medication. I don't know why they gave me so much med- I, Like I feel like I went through, like, like a major procedure. Like, they, Dude, they I'm waiting for you to start halluc- or something, but I want to see. I want to hear you hallucinate on the radio. You know, it's funny. I almost did at work today, which was very funny. Very, very funny, but I had, that's a long story. I'm not even going to go into it because we're doing a radio show right now, folks. The show must go on, and we have a very good show for you, for you guys tonight. I know I say that all the time, at least once in a while, right, Alan? You know, we... Yeah, once in a while. Who do we got tonight? But, you know, sometimes we actually mean it. Uh, yeah, sure we do. Well, sometimes. Tonight, we mean it, right? First off, we're going to be joined in about uh, 20 minutes, uh, 25 minutes here. Uh, we're going to be joined by Mr. UFO himself, Timothy Green Beckley. And, oh, I'm uh, he's sure gonna, he's got some good stuff for us. To, always sure does. In fact, yeah. you know, as we have on the show here, we have rotating uh, you know, segments here with uh, our news anchors or our news segments. And uh, Timothy Beckley has been on the show many times. He always comes on uh, with really good, you know, good stuff. And uh, he has something that he wants to talk about. And uh, it's dealing directly with the UFO phenomenon. And who well, better that, to have on than Timothy Beckley, Mr. UFO? True enough, right? true enough, true enough. Now, here's the question. Are we also going to have blasts from the A-hole tonight? Probably not. Oh! Because I, I could have sworn we got some really good, interesting letters this this past week and a half. We we have. In fact, uh, guys, if you want to you know, send more blasts, uh, maybe I'll read some of them tonight. Who knows? Maybe we'll change our mind. Uh, send your emails to a-hole, a-hole, at... Skywatchersradio.com, and we'll get your uh, blast on the air. But uh, we're going to have 
Timothy uh, Greenbeckley here in a little bit, and uh, we're going to have on the main event tonight, the uh, second hour on the show. Uh, got, you know, who we're, you, you know, you know what we're having on. Come on. Yeah, I we'll know. Have, I I know. You? I, I'm know. playing stupid. I know. Playing. I'm playing stupid. <laughs> right. No. Okay. Oh, you want me? You want me to talk about who it is? No, no, no. We're, we're going to have on Joe Montaldo on the show, and uh, you might not be aware that much of who Joe Montaldo is. Uh, there, Alan. Are you, do you know who he is at all, or no? I know the name. I just, you know, I deal with so many different people in the community, um, you know, with my with my pseudonym. So, um, yeah, I'm not actually. That's I, I a know... cheap cop out. You know why I, I put you on blast, my friend? Because <laughs> Jesus, man, I, you know, I send you these events. You're supposed to read up on these guys. That we're gonna have on your, your research, and nothing. This is what I get. Yeah, I, I talk to a lot of folks uh, with my pseudo names, and I you participate in a lot of other events, and I just, I don't know. That's what I get. I, I plead the fifth, man. Who is he? All right. Joe Montaldo is the co-founder of interna- and international director and spokesperson for A or ICAR, the International Community for Alien Research. And uh, the website is www.icar.one.com. Uh, that's the main website. It's uh, you know they originally were affiliated with Mufon, and uh, he was uh, affiliated with them as an investigator. Mr. Montaldo became uh, disenchanted with the uh, lack of information being shared with the uh, general public. Uh, well, you know his... why? They all hide it in that Hangar One from the UFO files. That's what's going on now. His first step in furthering the public awareness was establishing his own personal website, the Alien Enigma. And uh, that was established all the way back in 1998, dude. So he's been on at this for a very long time. Uh, originally, he was born in Louisiana in 1963, attended private schools before joining uh, the U.S. Army. Uh, while in the Navy, also, uh, Joe earned three degrees in advanced electronics and avionics. Uh, in April 2004, Mr. Montaldo began uh, hosting the Wake Up US- USA, a UFO study talk show, and is now the host of his own radio program called UFO Undercover. So we're going to have him on the second hour of the show. We're going to talk about UFOs with Mr. Joe Montaldo. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Like I said, we have a good one tonight. Yeah, I I, I am more than excited, to say the least. Woo. Now, I do have a couple of stories that I wanted to uh, talk about before we brought on Mr. UFO Timothy Green Beckley. Okay. Uh, I know know that uh, you're probably sitting over there saying, uh, well, um... Yeah, I don't know what he's going to talk about because I have no stories in front of me. So I want to link you a couple things. Okay. Okay, so you can follow along here, other guy. Send him out to me. Okay, I'm sending you right there. This is, uh, by the way, uh, before we even get to this story, I want to tell everybody who's listening, who hasn't joined yet, uh, to immediately go to artbell.com right now, go there while you're listening, and sign up. The, uh, the thing is already there. You could sign up for the Art Bell uh, podcast, uh, and it's uh, awesome. I already signed up. I gave my five bucks. You know, I put my, my money where my mouth is, Alan. You should do. <laughs> exactly. Five bucks. That's all it is, people. And I put it in there. And uh, let me tell you, it was easy to, uh, to register. Went right through uh, PayPal. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm psyched. It's only 26 days, one hour and 48 minutes and 41 seconds left before the big guy returns on air. And, uh, this dollar is, make art holla. I'll give it to you down to the second. 34 seconds. 33 seconds. That's We're getting close. 
I know. To the it's return exciting. of Art Bell. So go to artbell.com right now and uh, check out the uh, the uh, sign up for his uh, podcast show. It's uh, Midnight in the Desert. And uh, it's uh, incredible that he's coming back on Radio Allen. I'm so excited about that. I know. Five dollars for every, it's worth every penny. See, I don't know what you're doing in the background there with the ice, but you need to stop that right now. That's not cool. Oh, I'm just getting getting something to drink. That's all. Yeah, you, you want to mute your mic when you're doing that. Okay, but 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 you don't want to hear me make the martini? No, I don't want to hear you make the martini. We're going to talk about some UFO-related oh. news, not martini time. Oh. Bad boy. Bad Alan. All right, bad, o- bad other guy. Bad other guy. Okay. Uh, back to the news here, Alan. And I send you a link for a reason so you can follow along now so you can make a martini and get drunk on air. That's not cool. Check this out. Hi, my name's Al, alcoholic. I'm supposed to be the one in, in you know inebriated tonight, not you. Oh, okay. Is that All the right. right term for what I'm on right now? Because I no, no, you're supposed to be uh, warped. That's it. You're well, warped. I'm that every week though. That's not really uh, accurate to say right now because I'm. <laughs> I think I was born warped, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. There is no denying that. Yes. Uh, now this story comes from Artbell.com. Also, it says uh, the video covers 18 plus uh, UFOs captured, filmed in infrared during the day uh, and night from my balcony in Newport Beach. CA California and uh the uh the subject here is UFO sightings on infrared and uh there's a whole video attached here which is uh pretty interesting Alan you really need to like look at this uh video and uh, see what they're uh, filming up there now infrared of course you know anybody who does any sky watching at all uh you would know that this is like the main technique used uh for sky watching to actually try to capture something out of the ordinary like you can't get like a regular camera look up at night and expect to really catch something well, if something... you have a night vision camera, is one thing. Infrared? Are we talking with using infrared illuminators or just capturing the ambient night sky? I'm actually looking at the video right now, only a couple of seconds in. Mm-hmm. Have you posted it on the website yet, so everybody else can look along with us? Well, it's very simple. Go to artbell.com. It's right on the front page there. It's uh, again UFO sightings, infrared UFOs, invisible orbs, and uh, look, I- I've done a lot of sky watching in the past, Alan, and um, I know how trickery is done. This looks pretty real. This looks pretty authentic. I've seen a lot of infrared videos, and yes, they're easy to, to trick. They're easy to uh, Photoshop in there and, and uh, you know, hoax. But, uh, you know, you also got to dis- you know, suspend your disbelief a little bit and well, hope that they're not what hoaxing. I, what I'm reading about this as I'm reading the actual video that they're showing, um, I find it really, really interesting because ghost hunters use all-spectrum cameras as well. So we can look into the, intra- the infrared as well as the ultraviolet. So right. um, I find this more than interesting, to say the least. Here, posted on here, says also, many UFOs are invisible to our eyes and reside outside the uh, visible spectrum in the infrared in the ultraviolet ranges of light, uh, which is why things could be going on right over your head and you might not even realize. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that. it right now, and I'm like, yeah, that's actually really, 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 really cool. Um, that's That's more than interesting. The one thing I don't like about this video is it doesn't, I can't, they're telling me all of this was filmed in Newport Beach just on that day. I call Batsquatch. Yeah, that's a little tough to uh, to believe. I now, agree. If, if they yeah. were if they were willing to, because it's so scientific, to put up the GPS coordinates that went along with it uh, as to where these things were filmed, as well as the dates, I'd probably lend a little bit more credibility to it. But that's just me. I'm just a little bit more of a. Uh, Prove it to me. Prove it to me. I mean, I don't think we're going to see any of this on the new X Files series or anything. So, um, yeah. Well, you never know. Uh, in fact, they were they were doing some shooting with the a actual UFO. 
I don't know if you saw that. It's what? On the X-Files, uh, you know, the miniseries coming up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some leaked footage came out, and it shows a what looks like a Russian UFO, or a Russian uh, landscape with a UFO crashed in the, uh, in the ground. Oh, Which okay. rem- You've seen that video of the UFO that's crashed and the Russian troops are... Sure. It's a famous YouTube video now. Yeah, uh, yeah, it yeah. kind of reminded me of that. Like the, the way they're setting up the scene, it reminds me of that itself. Oh. So I wonder if that's what they're going to try, try to reenact in uh, this thing. Uh, which makes sense. I mean, that's what X-Files well, is, you know? We'll find out one way or another, yeah. yeah but, no um, yeah, this video's eight minutes long. I can't watch the whole darn thing here. No, 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 I'm not asking you to. But it's still it's very interesting. If you guys want to check it out, it's on artbelt.com. Um, I'm planning look, on watching it later on. I, it's already on my uh, browser here. So as soon as we yeah. actually end the show, I'm sure we'll get on the... Uh, I'll get on it and actually watch it then. And someone's going to bitch at me because I didn't watch it now, aren't they? Probably. Uh, you know, one thing I want to do, Alan, uh, more of uh, in okay. the future, especially after uh, probably this year, you know, probably more towards uh, next year, uh, do more sky watching again because I haven't done that in a while. And uh, I'm saving money to buy some equipment so, get it, so that I can actually go out and, and record some sky watching and whatnot. Uh, I think, you know, I, we have to get back to actually doing some of that. I, I think we should do that. And uh, you know what I think we should also do on top of that? I think we should start getting a video show going as well, too. Well, once we're doing the sky watching and we're recording it, you know, we could put a video show together. It's a lot easier to do it that way than to just sit there and say, okay, whatever we're going to talk about on video. And True. You're right. You're right. You know, you know, at least there we actually have footage of us talking about what we're doing and setting up the equipment and looking to the skies and see if we find anything. You know, I think that's a cool idea. Um, I'm down for that. I am yeah. absolutely down for that. Yes, I think that would be a great companion piece to uh, the radio show. So, well, uh, it, maybe it's next a shame year. we can't actually work the radio show as a radio show of the video show. No, because there's two different mediums. I mean, radio. So you know, her, radio is just to be heard. You know, when you have video, it's visual and it, it doesn't really mix well. You know, especially if you're trying well, to do no, a, a I think radio thing, broadcast. I, I, I think one thing leads to another. And yeah. it could be done. I mean, look, so some of the radio shows, they do a video feed. They all have the standard look. They're in a, in a studio setting. They have the headset on. The microphone is in front of them. Computer's right next to them. It's all a very standard look. You know, we could do something like that, sure. But to do something on the field, you know, where you're actually looking up well, at the Well, not on the field, and... but like, like, a, like a news studio kind of a feel. Like I was showing you the other day that Nancy was – that I was talking with Nancy about. Um, you know, do something maybe along those lines um, – you know, where you have a little bit of a studio where we're sitting at a desk or something like that. And we're just doing basically the news like like sightings was, but actually that of the week, not filming it three, four, maybe six months in advance. And then broadcasting like, well, what happened in the world today was, you know, where yeah, I'm but, yeah, but do you really think that people want to see us sitting there in front of the camera for an hour or two? Well, it depends, you know, yeah. what you're what you're planning on looking like by the time we air you know, the show. You know, you and I exactly aren't, uh, you know, supermodels, let's just be honest. I'm I'm not I, Brad I, Pitt I, and you're not Matthew McConaughey. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I could never be Matthew. I wouldn't want to be looking like Matthew McConaughey, truth be told, you know. It's it, it, yeah, no thanks. Uh, I'll pass on that. Okay, know? who's a, who's a guy you would like to look like? <laughs> Patrick Stewart. Captain Picard, really? Oh man, come on! He's looked the same for decades. Yeah, but so has Ralph Macchio. But you ain't trying to be the Karate Kid. 
actually funny as it is, my friend actually was just in a photo with a photo session with him at a convention. Um, with Ralph Macchio, really? With Ralph Macchio and oh, no kidding. Nice. B- Billy Zabaka. Nice. Who, yeah, the bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy. That's it. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Martin You're all right, LaRusso. I, I love that ending. <laughs> yeah, Martin, Martin Cove was there and all that. Yeah, it was a pretty cool time. But anyway. A little uh, trivia. You know that he was uh, the bad guy from The Karate Kid because that's how everybody knows him. You know that he was also in one of the vacation movies with Chevy Chase. Really? Oh, have you seen the trailer for the new vacation movie? Oh, it looks so funny. Oh my god, you got but I you gotta know, see that movie, yeah. It looks But hysterical. did you see the American trailer or the red band trailer from uh, both. Europe? Both, oh my god, both. the red band trailer looks the red band trailer, um let's put it to you this way, folks. <laughs> if 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 you like Thor, you're gonna get to see his hammer. I don't okay. think this is really Thor's hammer though. I think you're I mean this is uh, a joke, man. I don't think that's really all him. You know what I, I, mean? I, I, I would believe there's a prosthetic like uh Exactly what's it, like what's his name Wahlberg had in Boogie Nights. Um yes. yeah. Yeah, I I I Yeah, I, I mean that, if that is Thor's hammer then the men is blessed in many ways and we should all worship the granny walks on, I guess. I don't know. I mean that's an incredibly uh, ta- an incredible talent. But that's real. <laughs> oh, that's what you want to call it. <laughs> that's talent? No, that's a that's a birth defect. Uh, that's not talent. A birth defect that you would worship the ground that God walked on if you had. Um, I, I would be very appreciative to God, but you know, then, then again, then again, then again, uh, you know, there was an interesting survey done about size and things like that. Um, you know, it, it's not the size of the wand; it's the magic within it. Uh, uh, you know, there's also, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you know, who's, you know, who say those uh, those things, right, Alan? Yeah, the shrinky dinks. Um, yeah, no. the guys with the small dinkies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not copping to that one. Sorry. No, no, that's not me. Are you sure? But, it really does sound like you are, dude. You know, I'm Jewish by adoption. <laughs> you know, you know what? Uh, when, when they took half off, uh, you know. You know, when it was... Never mind. <laughs> Off to the next topic, folks! Oh, the medication's kicking in really good tonight, let me tell you. Woohoo! Share with the class. Oh, man, so good. Let's see, we do have uh, another story here. Uh, let me get to it. <laughs> i got to open my browser again. It's too funny. Uh, let's see. Ghostly UFO reported 10 feet off the ground. And no video or picture to prove anything, of course. That's how we roll I here. Got a, I got a camera phone that I could use to call MUFON to tell them about this, but I could not turn on the camera on the camera phone to actually show it. No proof. None. But check it out. A uh, Boston witness, uh, a witness in Boston uh, at Bradford Boston. repeated... Boston doesn't Boston. have a drinking problem. Nobody in Boston no. has a drinking yeah, problem. Yeah, no, this couldn't be alcohol-related whatsoever. No, no, no. Uh, this person reported watching a uh, oblong-shaped object hovering 10 feet off the ground and appeared uh, to be ghostly. According to testimony in case 66344 of oh, MUFON. Oh, man, if it was ghostly, I thought course, you were going to say it was case 666. That would be really, really cool. Yeah, was, come on. There's got to be a case. They should have just done it. I mean, come on, MUFON. What are you thinking? Jeez. Uh, he says, uh, and this is in their database. This is reported on openminds.tv. So if you guys want to read it, go over there. The uh, witness uh, returned home about 12.15 a.m. on June 6, 2015. So this recently happened. And when they first saw the object, uh, he said he got out of his vehicle, like Travis Walton. Why do people do that? Just stay in the car. He says, I did a double I mean, come take. come on. What's his name? 
Richard Dreyfus stayed in the car and close encounters of the third kind. Why are you smart getting guy. out of the car? Right, smart. Just stay in the car, man. Stay. Like he says, I did a double take and saw the object hovering about 10 feet off the ground, about 10 to 20 feet away from me. So, of course, uh, the witnesses stated, uh, so, of course, I took my glasses off because I want to see it better, right? So, I'm going to take my glasses off uh, to see if it was just a reflection. Yeah. Uh, He says he did it to see if it was a reflection. He says he also checked to see if it was a floater. What? A floater in his eye. I guess. Um, Or spot, yeah, in the vision. Yeah. Well, yeah, like something in the background in the vision, whatever, a floater, I guess, a little spot. Um, I can see clearly now the pain the witness described the object. He said the object appeared as a fine line thread about 5 to 10 feet across, and on each side of the thread was a very narrow oblong area about one-fifth or one-sixth the width of the thread, um, each of uh, which was uh, white, he said. There was also movement in the object. How, can he, how the heck could he see the movement in the object? How? Um, I don't know. He didn't have his glasses on, so I'm not... Right, so exactly. How, uh, bat's watch. Batsquatch, the object hovered, uh, moving up and down, and side to side, and kind of like it hovered in one place, moving up and down and side to side. Yep, Uh, but remained horizontal. He said so. It it did many different things that contradict each other. Uh, There was no sound, of course. That's always uh, associated with uh, these reports. The object appeared uh, to be ghostly or transparent. I did not mm. feel any particular way or no fear, he said. Just amazed to see this thing. Now, the continues this. Uh, I did not have a phone camera on me, Chucks. The one guy in America without a smartphone gets to see this thing. Yep. Uh, <sighs> it is how it is. He says, and I didn't even think to run inside the house and get it. Also, he has one. He just he didn't have it on him. Because that's what we dudes do. You know, we leave the house without our, our smartphone. That's what we do. I am just really not good at comment, <sighs> though I want yeah. to. And he says, watch, he says he watched for about 20 minutes. Uh, so, in other words, he had plenty of time to go inside the house, get the phone, load it up, come outside, record for a few minutes, and upload it to YouTube. And, hey, look, I got evidence. Look what I saw. Surprise. But no, 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 he didn't do any of that. He nope. says uh, he looked out the window of the door and still saw the ob- the object, and then he went to bed. So he had time to even go to bed, but couldn't get his phone to snap a picture or two or record today's a work, video. Today's show is brought. Today's show, folks, is wow. brought to you by the letters Bat Squatch, complete and, Bat Squatch, and the number six six six. Man, seriously, and, yeah. Uh, this is and it's stuff like this that really upsets me with MUFON. I mean, they they report this, they put this out there, complete bogus, man. I mean, how could you report something like this and, well, it's and not sleep that, at night? It's not that they're bogus, but we can call what they saw bogus. You know, no, I'm calling the whole story bogus. I mean, there's nothing legit sounding in this piece. Why would MUFON even put this out there? Why would OpenMinds.tv report this? Seriously. Um, beats the heckity heck out of me. I just don't know. I mean, this is one of the main problems in ufology. We're reporting stuff that has no evidence, no proof, and the guy has convenient bad luck. He already forgot his phone. Then he had enough time to go in, get the phone, load it up, but uh, you know what? I just, I'm going to go to bed. Let a UFO hovering in the sky just stay there while I go to bed. 
because I, I have to sleep. I got to work tomorrow. If I see a UFO in the sky, I'm getting my phone camera, my my tablet camera, uh, my old digital camera that I don't even use anymore, I'm my two megapixel camera. I'm knocking on neighbors' doors to get their cameras. I'm waking up my mother and getting her flip phone from 1995, and I'm using that <laughs> camera. I mean, I'm getting every camera in the neighborhood, and I'm pointing it to that sucker in the sky because it's hovering there for 20 minutes. I'm but getting no, this guy. Yeah, I'm going to bed. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's a main problem I have with ufology and with MUFON and and man, I, I don't even know why they're even putting that story out there. It's ridiculous, guys. We're gonna be right back in a, in a couple minutes with uh, Timothy Green Beckley, Mister UFO. Stick around. This is the Dark Matter Digital Network. Whose music and do we got coming up? Radio, Space Boy, of course. Yeah, of course. Can you hear me? The UFO phenomenon, either we like it or not, is already very much part of our reality. I've been on panels with uh, military people who, you know, claim that they've seen the aliens buzzing our missile silos. They have very large eyes. You know, I found their stare extremely difficult to bear. This is Martin Willis, the host of Podcast UFO, and we are here on the Dark Matter Radio Network every Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is my commitment to bring you an entertaining weekly show that takes a hard look at the UFO phenomena. Are they extraterrestrial? Well, are they interdimensional? Are they time travelers or something we have not even thought of yet? We explore these questions with interesting guests and witnesses from all around the globe. In addition, we bring you weekly UFO news with Open Minds TV, Alejandro Rojas. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep your eyes to the sky. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth-orientated discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network, live at 8pm Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, and capricornmembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic, truth is truth.
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. In a world run by thugs and imbeciles, by robber barons in three-piece suits, where a subservient media pipes sewage into the eyes and ears of the masses 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where do you go for the truth? Is the president an alien, either Kenyan or Zeta? Did the fabulous sea monkeys ordered from comic book ads by kids in the 60s and 70s slither out of their tanks and into ears, and are they running the brains of the ruling elite today? Is David Icke right about the queen being a lizard, or is there a sea monkey brooding on his brain? like a jockey atop a chunk of horse meat. Are Lemurians beneath Mount Shasta really addicted to porn and chewing tobacco, or are their spokesmen in the surface world deluded or deranged? For the answers to all these questions and more, tune in each week for another revealing and informative episode of Unraveling the Secrets, and get that sea monkey off of your brain. All right, everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio on the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio. Uh, we're going to have uh, Timothy Greenbeckley on in a couple of minutes here. He's running a little bit late. I think he was taken by a UFO. I think tonight. he was in the wrong time zone when he was taken. I think so. I think he has missing time, missing memory. Something happened to Mr. UFO. We're going to find out in a few minutes, but it gives us enough time to do something you wanted to do earlier, Mr. Other Guy. That's right. We get to play our very favorite segment on the show. Or oh, your favorite, I think. I think you like this segment more than I do. What do you think? Uh, I'm okay with it. It is what it is. No, no, man. You like look forward to the questions every yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, I do. So, some people leave brilliant questions. Some people have really stupid questions. Not yeah. saying who's, I'm not saying who is who. No, but no don't say it. But anyway, let's go ahead and uh, let's get to some uh, mailbag questions, some blast through the a-hole. Here we go. And now, messages through the a-hole. Oh, that music's so good. Oh, anyway, first question, and uh, it's coming from a person calling himself Jackson Black. Okay. Not sure how I feel about this one, but Jackson wants to know, uh, what do we think of the Roswell Slides? 
Um, I think we've talked about that before on the show, haven't we? Yeah, we I'm have. Sure we have. Yeah. Uh, Batsquatch. What is, I'll, let you, I'll let you take uh, first crack at this one. Well, besides Batsquatch, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I'm just not convinced that it's real. Um, I, you know, there's too many inconsistencies. Um, I think it's a good, fo- well, it's not a Photoshop, but um, I think no. that it is not legit in any way, shape, or form, no matter how much I'd like it to be. Um, yeah, it's just not there on the uh, evidence scale. Yeah, I'm going to go and just say that I think it's complete bat squatch. It's BS. It's baloney. It's a hoax. Uh, it's somebody who was trying to make a, a couple of bucks, and they saw something that they thought they could fool people with, and it worked. They fooled people. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names uh, per se, but they fooled a lot of people, and uh, people made money off of it. You know, so <coughs> there you go. That's Whoop. the first question. That's where it is. That's where it is. And uh, let's see. Let's get to the second question before we get to uh, Tim Beckley here in a couple minutes. All right. Uh, second question comes from Dennis from Crenshaw Boulevard, Killa, California. That's a long name. Yeah, okay. What's, what's, what's our friend want to know? And Dennis wants to know, uh, why don't we ever air any bloopers on the show of the show? Well, well I'm just going to let you take a crack out of this one. Go ahead. Uh Hate to break the news to you, but we're live. If there's a mistake, you would hear it. That's right. You would hear it live. And even In the, fact. Even the times when you're not feeling up to it and you can't do the show and you actually play an older show, as we know, folks, it has happened, it's still, at the time it was recorded, live. If there's a blooper, you know. Snoring. Oh, thanks. Somebody's thanks not alive. <laughs> Somebody's not alive. Well, I tell you, bloopers, are you kidding? We had a oh Is that Mr. UFO? Hey, how are you? Mr. <laughs> UFO, Excellent. welcome. Hey, how are you doing? Wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. What have I, you I got heard, for us I, this I, week? Well, hold I on. Heard, we, we still, I, I we still are doing this segment. Bloopers. Yes. Come on, they're bloopers all the time. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. You've had a blooper on your show recently. Uh, somebody was snoring very loudly. Yeah. yeah that was very had, funny. had chairs. We've had chairs moving that nobody would admit to. Right. Oh, that, exactly. that's the ghost that's moving them. That's why. Yeah, that's yeah. what that is. Well, that I mean, that so... seems to be the biggest blooper that I, uh, <laughs> on most of the the shows that I listen to are people who have uh, chairs that need uh, oiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that wasn't me. Uh, uh, no, that wasn't me. No, no. No, mute yourself. Look at that. It doesn't sound anything. You can't hear it anymore. Good job. <laughs> Now here and, and look, Dennis. Uh, thank you for the question. But look, some people say that this entire two hours is a blooper. So you know, it is what it is. Yeah, there is no bloopers because it's live, my friend. So enjoy it live, uh, and listen to the podcast on SkywatchersRadio.com. And uh, in fact, the last question we're going to read off here before we're done with this segment, and uh, it's going. All right, there we go. Uh, the last question is uh, from Jerry, and uh, this is actually it's perfect to have Mr. UFO on with us uh, because Jerry wants to know, where is ufology heading right now without any hard proof into the new century? That's an excellent um, question. I, I, I throw in that ufology is probably heading in a positive direction because whether there is physical evidence that you are being made aware of, there is evidence out there. There, I mean, we had uh, what's his name on uh, the other day with uh, the melted uh, aluminum that can't be identified as one. Then on top of that's a physical evidence piece. Plus, there's OOP art, which stands for out of place artifacts that are being found all across the globe. 
Uh, I also think that even the Vatican themselves are saying that, yeah, odds are we're actually going to come into contact with aliens in the near extreme future um, is a thing, too. Um, I also found it rather interesting that um, the scientific advisor to the Pope is an atheist who believes in aliens. That's amazing in itself, almost like the ice dropping there. Um, the advisor to the Pope is an atheist. Right. I, I know that. The scientific advisor to the Pope is an atheist. Well, how's that for drop, that. bomb dropping? That's a, that's a nice bomb you dropped there. I didn't. I had no clue. No. Oh, okay. Put that with uh, their uh, telescope named Lucifer, and what do we got? Um, we've got some things to worry about, which reminds me, I uh-huh. just saw, and I sent you the link to it, um, the, uh, nice little podcast about, uh, Independence Day, the new movie coming out next year. What's that called? Resurgence or something like that, right? Um. That's what they call it, Independence Day Resurgence? I think it's the title. No, 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 not, not Resurgence. Uh, darn, I forgot. Independence Day, something with the letter R. Yeah, I think it's Resurgence, I'm pretty sure. No, 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 no. It's not Resistance, it's futile. That's taken already, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think you might be right <laughs> on that one. I think it is Resurgence. Uh, you know, I, I'm interested in seeing that movie, but you know what? Forget about those make-believe UFOs. We got yep. Mr. UFO Timothy Greenbeckley on the show right now. That's right. And, we uh, want to hear the real has, deal. He has uh, some stuff that he wants to talk about tonight, uh, especially uh, given that tomorrow is the 68th anniversary of one Mr. Kenneth Arnold and his sighting that really is what ushered, uh, well, the UFO phenomenon All right, in many ways. Timothy Beckley, welcome, and uh, let's talk about that. Well, Angel, we haven't spoken in a long time. How are you doing? So today? long. It's been many, <laughs> so many long. hours. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a Saturday night, and instead of being home alone, I was uh, in the um, hotel in Cleveland uh, with my friends that I have not seen uh, for many uh, years, some of them I haven't seen probably in uh, in three decades, like Rick Hilberg. And uh, this was the reunion of the National UFO Conference that started 51 years ago in Cleveland, Ohio. And cool. it's a, a kind of a um, oh, rotating event in that there are public sessions and they take place in different parts of the country. I mean, they, they have been in uh, Los Angeles, they've been in New York City, uh, Phoenix, uh, Arizona, oh, uh, King of Persia, I believe oh, that's the town, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Yep. and I uh, I, I'm on the, um, I guess, the uh, board of uh, directors. I did not attend the first uh, event the first year, but I was there the second year. And somebody just posted on the internet or on Facebook a photograph of me uh, lecturing. I, I believe it was at a high school that they had rented for this particular uh, event. And boy, do I look wet behind the ears. Uh, <laughs> you, ufologically uh, and otherwise as uh, well. Uh, hang on, hang on. Time ufolog- passes, huh? Hold on, is ufologically a word? It is well, now. He said yeah, he's you- Mr. UFO. He says well, it, it's you're right. Now, you know, there was actually a fellow. You talk about the Vatican. There was a priest by the name of Guy J. Sear, C-Y-R. He lived uh, up in the New, uh, New England, 
And he used to write for not only my publication, the Interplanetary News Service Report, but for a lot of the little newsletters that were in existence in those days. And he came up with a hundred UFO-related terms. Now, I wish I had the list in front of me because uh, some of them are rather humorous, but I don't remember them because, again, this was 50 years ago. But the, the one that did stick and that is used in the uh, UFO jargon would be euphonaut. And, and that was a, that was a word, euphonaut. Yeah, that was the one word that I know. Now, there might be others, but uh, that's the one that sticks in my mind out of the list of 100 terms that he came up with. That's the one we all know what a euphonaut is. It's some kind of UFO-related being or, or, or creature. Um, right. Now I've lost uh, track of the... Uh, uh, and it's what, also the uh, the name of yes. the podcast that uh, Jeffrey... Uh, not Jeffrey. Uh, uh, man, I'm drawing a blank in his name now. This must be the medication. Uh, Jesse Randolph. Jesse yes. Randolph's old podcast, uh, Euphonaut Radio. Use that name. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it is a... It, that, that's the the one term that I know of that has hung on all these years. Mm-hmm. And if I can, if I can uh, find that list, which would mean that I would have to find the newsletter which was uh, it was published in. And out of the, I think maybe there were 16 issues of the Interplanetary News Service Report, I think I only have two or three. Because you could imagine over the course of uh, 50 years, fellows, uh, how many <laughs> floods, <laughs> how many fires, have come into and out of business. Yeah, yeah, famine. Uh, <laughs> plague, literally plagues too, because some of the places Republicans that I had, in office, you know, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. <laughs> some of the, some of the place, some of the places where I had the material stored in boxes, you know, had rotted from the the cold weather, uh, and and from and from rodents, uh, I might add. They they just love paper for some reason. Death of the firstborn. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. R- so, wrong. Whoa. Sorry. So if I ever find that issue with the uh, the hundred terms, I, I will read some of them on the air because uh, they are they are funny, and we'll see if there are others that have really stuck. So if anybody out there has interplanetary news service reports, let me know because I'd like to add some to my uh, you know collection. We could photocopy them. Or, well, if or, Nancy's or listening to the show, it might be in her stack of stuff. She might. Well, have this. no, I don't think that Nancy was around in those days because we're talking about 1965 or so. She might. I don't know if she she was around then. I don't know if she was into yeah. the no. into the. No. Uh, she might not have been into the so. UFO phenomenon just yet. It's, yeah, that's. Yeah. I don't know. Her time. Did Bill get her into it, or did she get Bill into it? That's an interesting question. That's yeah, you know, I've never asked that question. And I'm pretty sure that she might have always had a, an interest in it, but you know, knowing yeah. her husband and who he is, and you know well, what he's knowing into, her, you know. she's probably listening to the show, and she's going to type her answer probably. eventually. Yes, on Skype. Exactly. Uh-huh. Probably pretty soon. So let's get to this Kenneth Arnold uh, anniversary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is very important. Obviously, this is really uh, in, in a lot of people's minds. Uh, is the sighting that really ushered the UFO phenomenon yeah. to the world? Well, it's, uh, it's when the term that. "flying saucer" was hit, right? Was hit on. But I mean, but, before that, it was very. It's you know, but, but when he used that term, when he came forward with his sighting, it was like the gates opened after that point. Well, yeah, I'll yes, agree that, that. that's when that's when the media, I would say, started to pay attention to it because. But it, it certainly wasn't the uh, the first uh, report. You know, the term flying saucer 
uh, came about because when he landed his, uh, his well, let me start from the beginning. There have to be three listeners that don't know the story of Kenneth Arnold. I, I can't imagine that anybody Maybe does, four. But There's a lot, there's a lot of young people okay. listening. All right. Um, <laughs> back in June 24, 1947, uh, Kenneth Arnold was a Boise, uh, Idaho businessman. And he had a private pilot's uh, license. Now, there was a plane that was reported missing and had apparently crashed into the side of uh, Mount Rainier in Washington State. Oh. Okay. Now, uh, he was up in the air flying to, I don't know what his destination was. Uh, I do know what his destination was. It was Yakima, Washington. Because Tim Schwartz and I always have a big laugh about Yakima, Washington, where there have been a lot of UFO sightings. Uh, uh, but nobody realizes that's really where the first incident uh, was. I mean, Mount Rainier, but the closest town would have been Yakima. And for many, many, it's on, a, I believe it's a very near an Indian reservation, or it may actually be on an Indian uh, Indian reservation, but for a long time they actually had a UFO sky watcher, a sky watch tower there, and uh, nice. the sightings were on a, a pretty regular uh, basis. Uh, you know what we call the spook lights, uh, you know, coming in and on and uh, out of the, uh, uh, out of the, you know, out of the sky, the distance of getting closer and then uh, disappearing again. And uh, I guess on on pretty much a weekly uh, uh, basis, you you can set your watch by it. Uh, anyway, kind of like the uh, report that we read earlier. I don't know if you were listening, but about the no. ghostly UFOs uh, that were hovering uh, ten feet off the ground. It's it, similar to those. No, I miss. I missed that. I was trying to set up here because of the last minute being on the show. But uh, ah. no, uh, no, I'm um, no. But any, anyway, so Kenneth Arnold was up in the uh, up in the air, and there was a pilot that had been reported missing and supposedly had crashed on the side of the mountain somewhere. And so he said while he was up flying to Yakima, he would, you know, keep his eye open to see if he saw uh, the plane anywhere, you know, down on the, uh, the side of the mountain. And instead of seeing uh, the, the plane, off in the distance, he saw um, what looked to be like a, str a string of metallic objects. Uh, the sun was apparently glistening off uh, the metallic uh, surface of whatever this was he was observing and he said that they were uh, traveling uh, at incredible speed now incredible speed to him would have been like uh, probably seven or eight hundred miles an hour, hour. yeah 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 right. right because what was the, the plane that he was in probably capable 400 miles an hour would have been pushing it <laughs> right right hour. right <laughs> okay well if you got so a anyway, rubber band he... for a propeller you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> well, the, yeah, you know, I was, I was, I was just uh, uh, discussing with his uh, granddaughter, uh, who's going to be on uh, the show on uh, Saturday night, um, unraveling the secret. She's going to be uh, a guest on our UFO roundtable show that we're going to to do, and I thought it very fitting to have her on because it was this is the sixtieth sixty eighth anniversary of her. Um, grandfather's, uh, uh, you know, sighting. But so anyway, he saw these craft, and when he landed in Yakima, there was a reporter there from the local, uh, I think, uh, radio affiliate. And he asked uh, Kenneth Arnold, what did these objects look like? And the best way that Kenneth Arnold could describe them, he said they look like saucers skipping over water. And, you know, like how if you, you, you throw out a rock or something and you know, it'll skim over the water. And, and, and so that's how the term flying saucer was actually born. But 
he did not describe the craft themselves as being saucer shape. They were more uh, crescent shape, like that of a heel. Uh, you know, a shoe huh. heel. Right. Uh, yeah. and, and and so, so kind it was of, a delta wing. Or, delta or a, wing. Cur- a, a curved crescent. wing. Yeah, a curved crescent. wing. Yeah, crescent. Uh, anyway, I think that's the term he used, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's a pretty good description of, of, of what he uh, what he saw. And they, so they really weren't disc-shaped. Uh, the disc-shaped uh, came uh, maybe a little bit later, although Kenneth Arnold's was not really the first sighting because, um, um, what was it, uh, Maury Island had taken place. I think, was that not a week before the uh, Kenneth Arnold sighting? Where right, this I think a week and a half actually, before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Had actually this this mm-hmm. uh, craft had actually come over a a, a fishing boat that I, I think there was a two gentlemen on it, a dog and one of the guy's sons, and the thing hovered over the uh, the boat, and, and this they described as a, um, if I remember correctly, a donut shaped uh, object, and somehow metal molting metal came out of the bottom of the craft, and uh, struck the boat. It killed the dog, and I guess some of it even uh, got onto uh, the uh, people that were on the boat. Now, this plays actually an integral part in the history of uh, the early days of flying saucers because, lo and behold, Kenneth Arnold was um, uh, hired, I guess that's the word, by uh, Ray Palmer, who was the editor of um, Amazing Stories at that time, and just about ready to put out the first issue of Faint magazine, hired him to go to uh, Maury Island and I guess the Tacoma, Washington would have been the largest nearby city, and to investigate the case and to uh, interview all of those uh, involved. And, and so uh, Kenneth Arnold uh, later uh, co-authored a book with Ray Palmer called The Coming of the Saucers. And in that the book, which is semi-rare, but you can find it on eBay and on uh, Amazon. Amazon, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was talking to uh, uh, Kenneth Arnold's uh, a granddaughter this evening, or texting her anyway, and uh, uh, there's talk maybe about a new edition of the book, adding some photographs. and Because uh, uh, Kenneth Arnold was uh, quite a, a very interesting uh, gentleman in addition to seeing flying saucers. He uh, ran one time, I believe... Um, for a senator or a congressman from the state of um, Idaho and was going to be on the um, ticket with the, uh, then, the, uh, well, he wasn't yet president, but uh, Eisenhower, who was res- running for president at the, uh, at the time. I think he was trying to get the vice presidential uh, part of the ticket. Position, and yeah. so there, there are actually photographs of Kenneth Arnold and Eisenhower, uh, you know, standing together or shaking hands. And uh, that is kind of intriguing in itself because, you know, supposedly, according to, to UFO legend, uh, Eisenhower had his own meeting with the extraterrestrials out in um, California with Edwards uh, or Murdoch uh, Air Force Base. So yeah, Kenneth wasn't Arnold, there also a story with Eisenhower? Uh, was it Eisenhower or one of the other presidents taking Jackie Gleason to... Uh, you know, uh, look at the UFOs. That, that I was about to actually ask that yeah. because they just recently came out yeah. with uh, Jackie Gleason's wife uh, talking yes. about him being taken and seen uh, an alien, yeah. basically, an ET. Well, actually, we had on last week, I was on mm-hmm. the Coast to Coast, 
And, and yes, Larry Larry Warren was on with me. Now Larry Warren, of course, is um, one of the witnesses to the UFO uh, case there at um, Rendlesham Forest. You know, Bent Mortars. Uh, yes. And uh, and uh, Jackie Gleason had read about the case and was very intrigued about it. Now, right. Uh, Jackie Jackie Gleason was a, a, a I think you could call him a UFO fanatic. He was uh, a UFO. In fact, his, his his UFO and paranormal. <laughs> to the moon. Life, uh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> his his UFO and paranormal library uh, actually is housed today. Uh, the collection is at the hmm. University of Miami, and okay. one of my early one of my early UFO books is in the catalog there. He he actually sent me a Jackie Gleason check with the kind of a stick figure of you know when he was doing the honeymooners of him uh, doing uh, you know his his wa- famous walk there, and. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and he ordered a book for me in my, in my first UFO book. He ordered a copy of it, uh, paid for it with a check when I was about 15 years old, I think. He was the first He was the first celebrity ever to order a, a UFO book for me. And then wow. years later, uh, Audrey Meadows, who was also on the uh, the Honeymooners, she, right. would have yeah, her, yeah, she, would, she would have her chauffeur uh, call up. <clears throat> I guess she lived in, in Malibu and... Um, they uh, they had a, a a book club, as people still do these days. In fact, when I was in Cleveland, some woman approached me and told me that she was a member of a local book club, and I didn't realize that was still going on. But it's good to good to know that people are still reading. Anyway, Audrey Meadows would have her chauffeur uh, call me on the phone and order uh, ten copies of whatever book they were reading, uh, you know, that particular uh, week or month or what have you. Well, and let me ask you, uh, yeah. Tim. Getting back to uh, what uh, the, the the wife said here, and uh, this is uh, from oh, Beverly oh, yes. Gleason. Uh, and Larry Warren confirmed it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Right, real quick. The president was Nixon, first of all, and the story goes yes. that Nixon uh, took Jackie Gleason uh, to Homestead Air Force Base, which is right here in my backyard, and uh, President Nixon uh, showed him dead bodies. Not just one dead bodies, mostly uh, the plural. This you know a lot of bodies. Uh, now. How believable, uh, I mean, this is confirming, of course, rumors that have been around for decades, uh, yeah. but how believable uh, is it that Beverly Gleason is coming out with this now? She hasn't said anything for so long, oh, and she well, was married well, actually, to him for four years yeah, only, right? Actually, she was actually old... Angel, that, that statement uh, that you're reading, uh, uh, that article that was in the Inquirer, that's mm-hmm. many years old. It's not, it's, it's not really recent. However, um, Larry Warren was invited by Jackie Gleason to come visit him because uh, Gleason wanted to hear all about the uh, in, the incident there at um, uh, Benton Waters at Rutherford right. Forest, and and they they sat around and, and drank some beer and uh, Rob Roy, I think that was um, Gleason's uh, favorite drink at the time, and eventually the conversation got around to uh, the uh, aliens and the uh, Coke freezers. I guess that's the way he described it, right. and yeah. actually <laughs> actually uh, Gleason brought up the subject, and according to Larry Warren actually confirm the story. Uh, now, uh, Gleason and um, uh, Nick, uh, Nixon were golfing buddies. Right. And, and apparently uh, Gleason was a big supporter of uh, you know, Nixon when he was running for uh, office, although I don't, think, I don't think the checks were as big as they are today. Some probably of the donations not, no. that, that go around. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't like, think so. <laughs> he was probably donating like $5,000. Yeah, yeah, something of five or ten grand, right? Today it's yeah, like exactly. you know two five, million, million bucks or something. <laughs> Inflation, uh, people, it happens. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, and, and more desperation to get your your favorite, uh, you know, uh, 
president to be elected, I guess, you know. So uh, anyway, Gleason confirmed the story. He said that mm -hmm. um, Nixon had come to his house uh, and uh, said, you know, you got to come see this. And they went uh, and drove out to the uh, uh, the military uh, base in the middle of the night. The uh, guys at the, the military guards recognized the president, were a little bit taken aback by this. There was no... Uh, Secret Service or anything with them. Anyway, they went to a back hangar. Uh, See, that right there sounds the, a little fishy, if you ask me. There's no Secret Service well, anywhere. I, well, get you know, I, an I, actor I wonder, to go I, see I, these I, dead bodies. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know? yeah. Well, why would why would you know? Well, we have a lot of alien bodies. Angel, they just seem to be all over the place. All over uh, the place. All these all bodies the everywhere. Is, is more more many, alien bodies. More yeah, crash saucers. More hold, alien hold, bodies. Hold on. There are so many but, alien yeah. bodies in that you know about. How many different species are we talking about? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure of that information. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. I'm wondering often if there's one species because I don't know if they're necessarily necessarily extraterrestrial. Although, if you got a body in a freezer, well, you know, you could you could have a body in a freezer for for any number of uh, reasons. I I've often thought about this. You know, why do saucers crash, and and why is it even though it's supposed to be uh, the most heavily guarded uh, secret of all time? Everybody seems to know about it, right? I mean, everybody My, knows. Yeah. Everybody yeah. listen. Everybody knows at least one uh, uh, crash saucer story, and, and right. you know, aliens, right. uh, you know, somewhere around the crash saucer. I remember even being on a a, a radio show in uh, I think it was Orlando, Florida, many many years ago, and some woman came uh, called up and told the story, and, and she was very sincere about it. She didn't seem to be making it up, you know. Her son was in the military, and he walked into some, uh, you know, a room or something. You know, and there, on the table, was an uh, was an alien, you know. And she said, "Oh, he he wouldn't talk about it. He only mentioned it once. He would never say anything about it again." So, what is the explanation here? I I've often thought, well, maybe there is kind of a rational explanation for this. Maybe the military does this kind of to see how long it will take to get something that nobody is supposed to know about how long it would take to get it into public domain and if it ever makes it into a public domain. Maybe uh, we could call it like a psychological test or something. I don't buy it. You don't, you don't buy that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's an explanation. It's, it's, it's a theory. It's a theory. It's a working yeah. theory. Yeah. Is, is, it, is it easier to believe that there are all these bodies and, and Coke freezers uh, laying around somewhere? It's a lot of Coke freezers. Uh, Tim, we're all out of time, unfortunately. Uh, we have to have you back on soon uh, for another news segment. Well, uh, don't, don't, they, don't forget Saturday night on Unraveling. Of course. Yeah, plug, plug you. We're going to have on we this week. Are, we are going to have a ufological roundtable. Yes, one more time. In, in addition to um, uh, Kenneth Arnold's granddaughter, we're going uh, to uh -huh. have on the head of CUPS, the Cleveland UFO Project which is the longest-running private UFO organization, as far as I know, in the United States. And we're also going to have on uh, the head of the St. Louis UFO Study Group. So if you're into UFOs, it will be a night to remember. And you can only hear it here on the PSN Radio Network and only when Tim Beckley is the host. And That's right. Angel, thank you for having me on, and we'll be talking to you, God willing, and the aliens um, willing, on Saturday night, Unraveling the Secrets.
don't get abducted, my friend. Uh, From here to then. (laughs) Guys, we're going to be right back with our main guest of the second part of the show here, our our main event. Mr. Joe Montaldo is going to be on with us. It's going to be a fun show. Stick around. This is Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN. The hills have eyes and are coming true. I doubt the stars will ever move. Professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com The UFO phenomenon either we like it or not is already very much part of our reality. I've been on panels with uh, military people who you know, claim that they've seen the aliens buzzing our missile silos. They have very large eyes and you know, I found their stare extremely difficult to bear. This is Martin Willis, the host of Podcast UFO, and we are here on the Dark Matter Radio Network every Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is my commitment to bring you an entertaining weekly show that takes a hard look at the UFO phenomena. Are they extraterrestrial? Well, are they interdimensional? Are they time travelers or something we have not even thought of yet? We explore these questions with interesting guests and witnesses from all around the globe. In addition, we bring you weekly UFO news with Open Minds TV, Alejandro Rojas. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep your eyes to the sky. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. Supermanhomepage.com. Hello, I'm Bruce Pearson, documentary producer, investigator, and co-host of Unknown Origins Radio, which airs each Thursday evening from 8 till 10 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Please join me and my colleague Mark Johnson for two hours of thought-provoking interviews discussing some of today's most intriguing subjects with researchers, authors, and eyewitnesses on a range of topics. 
So whether you're a newcomer to the community of exploration of the unexplained or a seasoned veteran and investigator, I'm sure you will find interesting content and concepts on Unknown Origins Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And I encourage you to check out the entire lineup of unique programming here on the network. There's truly something for everyone. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to sharing our fascinating guests and their topics on Unknown Origins Radio, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth-oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network, live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, and capricornmembers.com for the archives. Don't forget... Truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. All right, everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio, back on the Dark Matter Digital Network and, of course, PSN Radio. And I want to give a special shout-out real quick uh, to somebody who I mentioned earlier on the show, uh, like coincidence, he's actually in the chat room, Jesse Randolph from Euphonaut Radio uh, fame is uh, in the chat, Euphonaut. Uh, check him out on psn-radio.com if you want to chat with him. He had a really good show, Alan. I know that uh, you've heard Jesse's show in the past. Oh, yeah, you know about Euphonaut. Oh, yeah, I, I've listened to him on more than one occasion. Yeah. Not like a habitual thing, but, you know, more than once. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I look forward to chatting with him on something that I'm brewing uh, as we speak. Yes, as well as, but I can't talk about it on the radio just yet, folks. Not right now. No, no, no. Uh, but like Jesse, you know who else has a, a great radio show? That uh, deals with ufology? Probably Joe Maldonado. Yes, Joe Moulton-Aldo, exactly the person who's on the show with us tonight. Joe, welcome to Skywatchers Radio, my friend. He got one right, guys. (laughs) Alan, the other guy, finally nailed it. Good job, Alan. (laughs) I see you give your co-host hell like I give one of mine hell. (laughs) Oh, I'm being nice tonight, actually, because I'm feeling kind of under the weather. I'm medicated tonight. Uh, I can't hear anything from my left ear. So I'm I'm doing nice tonight. To I'm actually I'm sure being very polite. It's okay. We <laughs> give tit. I give tit for tat to him anyway. So yes, he does. That, that's a good thing. <laughs> that, that, it always makes for good radio. Um, I do I do a show on Wednesday night, UFO on the cover, and a Joe Montalvo show. But uh, and it depends what name it is, depending on what topic matter we're using. But Thursdays and Saturdays I do political shows, and the Saturday shows a four-hour mm-hmm. show, and I got a mean co-host. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's listening right now. Tell me, get y'all for this. <laughs> but uh, whoo, she's tough now. She's actually really good. We uh, we decided to try to do a political show that's in the middle of the road somewhere. <laughs> good luck. How the heck can you do that? <laughs> it's tough, dude. It's tough because it is. Any, any way it goes, I'm either coming off sounding like a conservative, which I'm not, or a liberal, which I'm not. So hold on, hold on. It's, politics it's tough, for what? Man. Politics for what country? Yeah, that's another good one, too. We talk about all countries, actually. <laughs> we talk about everything. We don't care. Actually, we talk about aliens and politics as well. So. You know, I was going to ask you, do you mix the genres? Because, you know, once you get known as a UFO guy, I'm sorry, like, it's happened to me already. I, I, do, I do a bunch of broadcasts also. I do one for comic book movie-related stuff, uh, music-related stuff. I had an, uh, an actual um, mm-hmm. actor on the show yesterday who's been on UPN, NBC. He's been on major movies, uh, stand-up comedian. Like, you know, I do a lot of other stuff that is not dealing with ufology. But whenever I, I am interviewed, the first thing they say is like, yeah, he has a UFO podcast. That's the only yeah. thing that matters. And, and it is tough. <laughs> now, I've done some stuff Associated Press. I've done some stuff, some TV gigs out in California. As a matter of fact, I, I made some really good money off of taking on the head of the lesbian coalition in San Francisco. I'm uh, all for lesbians. You know, and uh, it was a really good show. It paid really well. It's still paying really well, actually. Um, those kind of things, for me, it's different because – ICARs are, are very – we're very strict on how we do things. Mm. Uh, we're not your typical UFO organization by any means. We Everybody's under non-disclosure agreements, so there's not a bunch of crazy people running around saying a bunch of crazy stuff uh, because their asses would get fired, excuse my language, but <laughs> they would get fired. Uh, we're very strict on the way we collect data, the way we want to use data, what we're using data for, what do we think it means. Uh, no one's allowed to just go out – you know, because I have a really big mouth and really big ego. So when I can get out on the street and, and start talking for the organization, I'm running rampant. So they right. want to make sure that I'm on page with everybody else and not just doing the Joe Montaldo version of ICAR. No, ICAR stands for, again, for the Inter- International ICAR, Community uh, for Alien for Research. For Alien Research, right. Yeah, and um, it's, it's been around for ooh, 16, 17 years now. Uh, it's been around a while. We, we, we do a lot of good work. We're, we're the largest UFO abduction organization on the planet. By far, we're way bigger than MUFON. We have, you know, you it know, amazes me that they've got a TV show and yes. we've still got more members than they do. <laughs> and wait, on their Facebook page, now I've got to give them credit. On the iCar Facebook page, there's eight or 9,000 uh, fans that clicked it. On theirs, there's about 18, and that's what a TV show now. If you right. go look at my fan page for my show, there's 60,000 fans there. If you go look at my page for the network, there's 80,000 fans there. And I don't have a TV show. And on my news uh-huh. show, I have another 50,000 there. So just in those three accounts, there's 130, 140,000 fans. And I'm a nobody without a TV show now. If I can do that, why can't you do that with a damn TV show? Because your TV show, well, I can't say that on air, but it, no, it's, no, no. But it's, it's junk. It's, it's junk. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. In fact, I was going to ask you, and it, it, the, uh, the answer is obvious now, but you were originally uh, associated with MUFON as an investigator, and you left MUFON. Uh, because uh, again, the you know biases you were disenchanted with uh, the lack of information they they share, but uh, there is so much uh, hope you know really hokey stuff uh, with Mufon. Uh, you know, tell us what makes your organization different. Uh, well, because from MUFON. We, we actually do research. Mufon talks about doing stuff, but right. it's like go yes. to their page and it says, "Oh, look, scientific studies," and they say, "Oh, all this stuff," and then go try to find one. No, there's not. Right. Go to our yes. page and look for scientific studies. You're going to find a blood type study, the, the reptilian study, the gray study, the, the 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 human study, the job study. I mean, there's a study after study after study listed. 
a uh, job be- study. I mean, we're hiring your legal aliens. Well, we want to know. We want to know if aliens have a preference to your education or your job. Uh, is there any correlation? Because we know there's a correlation to blood types in alien abductions now. So we're just looking. We're see. Mm, that's, I, that's what iCard does. We do. We, we are the only organization out there that has the amount of contactees we do over eighteen thousand plus now investigated. And the fact of the matter is, no one really has the data. We have, like, on my abduction. It's what is it, abduction at ATT.net. There's 500 cases just sitting there. I haven't even reviewed 400 of them yet. They're just sitting there. They're cases, and we've got them all over the place. And, and it just makes this difference because we're doing comparison studies. Now we know abductions start pre birth. We know that it goes through childhood and it goes through, it's, it's a certain way through childhood. We know at puberty, it changes and it, it forms into something different, a much more, a much more, I'd say, bad type of abduction. We know in the 30s it changes again. We also know in the late, middle 40s and 50s it changes again. So we've got enough studies now and enough content. We've got we've got six or five, six generation cases. So we've got from great great grandmother to great great granddaughter, and all of my contactees. And we have the whole family. And we've been studying this family for well since I was with Mufon, so for twenty five years. Um, <clears throat> and we've been tracking them. And they're not the only ones. We also got five generation groups. No one's ever done this stuff before. And frankly, some of the stuff we've been finding out just flips me out sometimes. I mean, we're, we're funny because we release X amount of data and we keep what we call abduction criteria. So about 50, 50% of everything we learn, we make public. The other 50% we keep private because, frankly, I wouldn't know who's telling the truth. It's bad enough that people use my data on me now, which cracks me up, by the way. Someone will call me up and they're like reading – something I've written or maybe a show I've done, and it's like they're reading down a manifesto to try to prove to me they're contacting. I'm like, you know, about halfway through, I'm just giggling. You know, I'm like, yeah, please, please, no, just stop. Just you give stop. like a checklist now? I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah this one. Well, I'll be honest. What we look for is in, in – um, usually what will happen is somebody will contact us through whatever way, social media, any any emails, telephone. I mean my phone numbers are listed all over and they Not my Skype accounts, but all my phone numbers are. So I'm not real hard to find. And uh, they'll call sometimes, and, and what we all the directors and all the investigators in the organization look for the same thing. They're listening for keywords. Uh, we have a big list right. of keywords, and we're listening. So, like, if you were talking to me, Angel, you're la, 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 and I'd be listening. I'm like, well, you know, dude, I listened to you for an hour. You said four keywords, and we're not really interested because we don't really think that you've had any real contact. Because a contactee, because of what happens to them, they're usually going to keyword 40, 50, 60 keywords in an hour right. easy. Usually yes. in, in 10 minutes, you've, you've, you've usually got enough that you know. And since some of our researchers are contactees and some are not, which is an intentional, because we were the first organization to actually use contactees as investigators, which I got to say, when I was on Coast to Coast, caused quite the stir. Uh, it, some guy called in cussing me, You can't deal my dude. I said, we got regular people doing it too. I said, we got checks and balances. I said, this is what this is about. I said, contactees sense other contactees. And then the people who are not contactees can verify if they are, if they're not. I said, that's what this is all about. I said, right, right. we're trying to take some of the steps, you know, some of the workout. Uh-huh. We're so strict on hypnosis that I got in so much trouble in the early days when I used to host Wake Up USA, a UFO study. I was ticking off everybody in the field, man. You name them, I made them mad. Because I said, you first off, you can't hit nobody in hypnosis. You cannot hypnotize anybody in 20 minutes. That's a load of you-know-what. Right. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Anybody knows the science behind the way that works knows yeah. that that's not true. Yeah, exactly. It, it usually takes me 30 to 40 minutes just to get somebody under where I want them, and sometimes even longer than that, depending on where Right. It's like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, usually sessions yeah. running with me are going to be a minimum of two hours. Sometimes they might run as right. four. It's, it's yep. how much me and the person being hypnotized can take because it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. But what we did was – this is how we did 
if you need to be hypnotized, you'll call us. <clears throat> we'll set up an appointment. It'll be either me or one of the other hypnotherapists in organization. We'll bring somebody with us. We'll bring the videotape, the audio, the audio recorder, and the voice stress meter. All three of those will be running. So what you're going to see is you're going to see me do the whole routine and put the person on it because we want people to see how we do it. We don't really care if they know our secrets on how to knock somebody out. Well, that's uh, good. No smoke and mirrors. Yeah, Yeah. so, so they, right, can watch, right. they can watch how everything's done. I tell people, most people want to fast forward to it because frankly, half of them get hypnotized while they're watching a the damn thing. And um, we did an experiment in, in Washington, D.C. at a lecture I was given. I ain't kidding you, dude. I put like half the audience out. Uh, wow! They were just like, oh, I said, oh, you better stop now, Joe. <laughs> <It was laughs> Have bad. you ever met somebody who says you can't hypnotize me? There's no way. I mean, well, you know the rule. Thirty minutes later, I, done. If you tell somebody you can't be hypnotized, it means you're dumb as dirt. Because the smarter you are, <laughs> the easier yeah. it is to hypnotize you. Just so you know that ahead of time. People, I can't be hypnotized. I said, well, you must have an IQ of five. And they get all offended. I said, look, the smarter you are, the easier it is to hypnotize you. I said, because the brain accepts it much easier. And I said, the dumber you are, because you're like, Duh. I said, that's a little harder to hypnotize somebody. So people get really offended by that, by the way. But still, anyway, long story short, they'll call us. We'll get it in. We'll set it up. Very first session. Usually, I'm only uh-huh. going to take them down to level four, level five. And I'm just going to give them a date, a date that we've already decided on before this happened. And we're going to say, I want you to tell me backwards and forwards. Start with the thing, go all the way to the end. Then when you get to the end, I want you to go from the end back again. We're going to record the whole session. Voice stress meters will be going. So you can watch like I can. As an audience, you'll be able to see where this person – you know, somebody asked me if we use voice stress for lie detectors. We can, but that's not – I actually certified for that. But that's not what we're actually using them for. I'm using them as a shortcut tool to find out where the stress really is in this person's voice. How much of this is BS? How much is this real? And where should I be focusing my questions at on the next time we do a hypno session? So after we're done, we pull out the tape. We, we sit down. We watch the tape. How many of there are of us because I always make them bring at least one pe- person they trust implicitly with them. So there's no, you makes know, and, and everything's right. already. Now, every now and then, these. Well, it makes them feel safe, also. I mean, it does. And, and it, yeah. it makes me feel safe, too, to be honest with you. So so they'll come in, then after the thing, we'll sit down, we'll all go over, and then from there, we'll, line, uh, we'll formulate a line of questions that don't involve words like alien or UFO <laughs> or any of these words that contain buzzwords. Memories, yeah. So right, right, right. All of that's taken out. So what will happen is, is Jane Doe, she'll be telling me, and I'll say, well, Jane. You told me you seen something standing by whatever this 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 thing or this ship thing behind you was. Can you describe it? And then she'll go on and describe it. So what do you think it was? Well, I think it was a gray alien. Well, okay. Then she said it. She gave me the description first, and then she told me what she thought it was. Then she gives me a description of the craft and tells me what she thinks it is. So these are all in their words, not in mine. You're not hearing me lead them witnesses in any shape, form, or fashion at all. Now, once we know all these line of questions, like when she says it's about a grass, well, what makes you think it's a gray? And then she'll go back through the description again. So you're going to get the, the initial front start of the description and then the description again. So you can listen for yourself if there's any hanky-panky going on in there. Because a real contactee, you can ask them the same question 500 times and they're going to always answer it the same damn way uh, because it's, it's etched in their memory. For them, it's like an instant replay. Uh, that's one of the things I like dealing with real contactees because the experiences are so traumatic, even if they're good experiences, that they're etched in their memory. There's no mm. – because you know, I'll ask mm-hmm. somebody and three years later, I'll see them and I'll ask them again and they'll tell me something entirely different. So we'll, right. yeah. They embellish okay, we'll, completely. Yeah, either, either they're lying or they're, they're, they're confabulating uh, to mm-hmm. make things sound better. But in the end, you know, that's what this hypnosis is for. So 
you know, once we know that, we'll ask the, the harder questions. Everything's being videotaped, everything. And, you know, like I said, everybody's under non-disclosure agreement. So the person has their friend with them. They have the line of question and they know what's going to happen through the hypnosis session. And they know no one can go write a book or make a TV show without their permission. So, you know, and my permission. So Right, right. So it, it keeps everybody's information safe. Also, we're not a 5013C, which means... You cannot come in and look at my records because you want to see right now, as a member of a MUFON, I could request to see all their expenses and all their membership records and everyone who's donated to them since they've been incepted can create it. A 5013C has to have public records, which means right. Uncle Sam, every time you make mm-hmm. a donation to MUFON, sees it. Right. Okay, so they know who you are. We're right, privately right. funded, privately run, and the only way the government's going to see your records is if they drag my ass in the court and have to go get a warrant to come search and pull my computers, which will make every TV station in the United States. So it's a much different beast. It, we knew this from day one. I never could understand why MUFON was, was playing so fast and loose with people's information until I realized how many so-called books and ufologists were coming out of MUFON. Mm. I'm like, oh, see, now, so they weren't Makes writing sense now, right. about their cells. They were writing about right. other people. Sometimes they were claiming it as their cells. Sometimes they were not. But move on is like the black hole of Calcutta, even today. <laughs> <laughs> it don't wait, matter wait, wait. what goes in, nothing's coming out, my friend. Move on is a black hole in itself. It, it uh, is. And, and I hate to on it because I was a member for a long time, and I am still friends with Wal Anders, matter of fact, is a member of right. ITAR. Right, right. Um, you know, and I really liked Wal, but. Uh, you know, John Slusla lost his mind. He's crazy. James Carrion tried to come in and change things around. They wanted to hang him. He got Bigelow involved. He got all kind of stuff going. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. and basically, they were like, well, you're an evil whatever, 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 and kicked him out and brought in uh, Cliff Clifford, which Clifford wanted to work with us and make us like a sister organization so they wouldn't have to do abduction research because he said his words that MUFON is not really an abduction organization. They're a sightings organization. Right. And of course that went over like a ton of brick and you see they got another yet new director. So they've been through four directors in like six years. That's never good for an organization. But they do have Hangar One, which Oh, it's a pretty watches. good show. It's, 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 it, it depends which which you know what it really depends with them is I think it depends what cases they're talking about. Yes. And um I mean some shows are good and some shows you're like, really? And where did you get this from again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it, 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 it's, it's much like it, it, it's much like ancient aliens. Like the only one, episodes of those uh, that I actually enjoy are the ones that our friend uh, Mike Mott and Tim uh, Schwartz are on uh, when they are on ancient aliens. Other than that, I really can't watch those well, shows. I, I can't. I can't hate on Sukleoff because I worked press at his uh, 2012 <laughs> Giorgio party. Yeah, Sukleoff. Uh, and uh, I was invited down. He, he threw a big party in New Orleans for the end of the world. A big, huge party. It lasted like 14 hours. Was he disappointed when it didn't end at the end of the party? No, last, I should say this on the air, but last time I seen him. Um, I'm going to say this politely. He was laid out with a couple of friends. <laughs> we'll leave it at that, man. Use your man. He is a crazy. ufology. He's a ufology rock star. This man. That's oh, yes. what he is. He is a <laughs> ufology rock star, and, and they treat him as such. I love him to death. We have a great time. I don't always agree with his research, mind you, because I'm not. You know, some of the ancient alien stuff I think is crazy, but I, I do like Giorgio, and he does present ufology in a way that is acceptable to you. It's fun. I'll say this: it, it, it's fun yeah. the way he, he talks about it. You can tell he's really into it. You can tell this excitement behind his, his voice. And he uh, does but his research, his research, his oh, research, it starts and ends with one Eric von Daniken. 
That's yeah. research. And Eric and I have always had trouble ever since the chariots of fire. So yes, uh, you know it's 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 just and it's not that I totally disagree with them. It's just some stuff I'm like you way wrong because you know ufologists get 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 the short end of the stick because they yes. get sightings and chasing lights in the sky, which are fun. I uh-huh. like to go on sky watches all the time. I sponsor them, but but. You're never going to get to the truth chasing lights in the sky. It's just not going to happen. You're never going to get Uncle Sam to give you truth because you've got to give Uncle Sam something to get something. Are you willing? Let me ask both of y'all. Are y'all willing to give Uncle Sam amnesty for all the crimes they've committed under the, the guise of ufology? All the contactees who are going to sue the hell out of government for letting them be abducted for all these years? All the lies and things they sold, people who were killed, the people they say they were giving cancer to, people like Carla Turner and stuff like that had just faded away and died mysteriously? It's um you know or let's look at uh, um, Heineck hit by a drunk driver in in the mm. UK mm-hmm. possible quite possible some drunk driver hit him odd that he's a very famous ufologist Harvard alumni coincidence by, right you know big coincidence big big right. big but you notice the field left it alone nobody jumped on it as a conspiracy mm-hmm. which by the way surprised me I have to be honest about that. Uh, I, I'm, I was thought for sure somebody's going to throw it because I really thought it was just what it was. But you've got all this stuff going on, but mm-hmm. they're stuck. There's nowhere from to go. We do abduction research, so we're talking to the people who have been taken. Now, granted, there's a lot of BS that goes on in there, and contactees sometimes have bad habits, like one making it all about them. Granted, they are special because they are contactees, but the alien agenda is not so much about them as it is about the aliens, and we're just part of their agenda. Uh, we're part of what goes on. Sometimes it's good for us. Sometimes it's bad for us. Sometimes it's in between. But really and truly, it is really about them. They've been here a long, long time. So if they were here to kill us, we'd all be dead, and if they were here to save us, we'd all be enlightened. It's a real simple test, and I tell people all the time, same thing. Judge the aliens like you judge your fellow man by their actions. They haven't saved this planet. They haven't enlightened this planet. They haven't enhanced this planet, but yet they haven't wiped us out either, which proves that they have an agenda that's connected to their selves that involves us, but nothing more than that. And it's hard to make contactees understand that, but if you judge them strictly by their actions, that's where we are today because the peace, love, and light is always telling me the same thing. Oh, they're here to enlighten the species, and we're going to be so much better off. Really? Have you looked around on the planet that lately? right there is where I have an issue with a lot of <laughs> folks in ufology. When they come up with that, well, the aliens are given this message, and it's always the same message about peace and love and unity. It, it's always the same you know, agenda, which is fine. It's a beautiful message. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's not like we heed to the message. We don't listen to the message. Uh, we're at because war all the time. we're telling the morons. Exactly. Well, there's that. There is that. That's an excellent point. There is that. Uh, but here's a, a bigger uh, thing. And then Michio Kaku has spoken about this. Uh, to aliens, you know, what if maybe the fact that they're, you know, the way they are, if they are out there, it's not so much that they have a plan for us, but to them, we're kind of like the ants in the backyard. You know, you don't go and associate with your ants in the backyard. I mean, if they're a, a million years more advanced than we are, to them, we're nothing. I mean, really. We're, equal, we're, we're like just mere animals, you know. Why would we're they come burgers. down here? We're burgers. Right. To, we're, to graze, you know? to graze, we're like the parakeet, like kind of intelligent, but kind but, of right. But 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 still. I mean, if they're looking for intelligent life, they're really wasting their time on planet. The reptilians, for some reason, like us. <laughs> they they feel a kindred spirit to us for some reason or another. But out of all the species we investigate, they are really, I should say, we're the most we're the most like them. Uh, you know, in in design and build, even five fingers and five toes, it's. It's just we're a lot more like them. Attitudes, they got religion. How do they have five fingers and five toes when we saw? Yeah, how did that happen? Airways have three 
you know, gray is the little guy. So this way, I get everybody gets confused because people want to stereotype aliens as one type. Grays, small grays, have three toes and three fingers. No, no opposable thumb like we think of a thumb. Even though there is a, I don't know what you would call it, a digit there. I wouldn't call it a thumb, and I definitely wouldn't call it a finger. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe a nub. I, I don't know. It, that's her sexual organ. The, the, <laughs> the uh, it might be as far as we know. The, the, the five foot, six foot grays actually have four fingers. Uh, the, the well, how many classifications of grays? Because there's like multiple. Well, we we, we use we right? use four high sizes and four and three main colors with a, a, a um, here. First off, let's let's just clarify this. There's no such thing as a gray. No alien. No alien that's being investigated today is actually gray. That's right. a Hollywood version. Generally, they are a enhanced cobalt blue color. Uh, and what they do is they they absorb a blue plasma for food. It's a self-generating plasma. The ships. The saucers actually use it as a, a, a supply of fuel. It regenerates itself. I don't know if it's alive and it just regrows or if it's self-generated and what the hell it is. But the reason we found out about it is, is the grays like to immerse humans in it. It heals. Huh. It regenerates humans. We kept getting all these contactees that kept talking about this crazy blue color. Sometimes it was on them. Sometimes they were looking at it. Sometimes they were inside it. We could never figure out what it was. So we started hypnotizing people and all of them started saying the same thing. They were being immersed and this blue plasma stuff that made your skin feel warm and tingly, but yet you could breathe when you were underneath it. Uh, and when you came out of it, you felt rejuvenated and healthy and better. And I've Didn't got I see this two. in Star Wars? It's like the Bacta tank? Uh, it might be. I don't know. I, and I got two stage four witnesses that both said they were put in. And these are documented cases. They're both stage four cancer. One lady was given three months to live. One lady was given six months to live. They both said they were emerging in this plaza. They both came home same day, by the way, feeling great. Did not know each other. Both lived in California. Went to the doctors. Not only was their cancer gone, it was like they never had had cancer. All the damage from the chemo, all the damage to the organs, all of it was gone. Even the doctors wow. were just stunned. Um, so, you know, when I met these two ladies, I met them at a conference in Laughlin, Nevada, and they had stacks and stacks of paperwork for me, x-rays. This, they wanted to prove that how bad it was prior and what it was today. And, and the one lady's x-rays, you see a mass probably the size of a, a small softball in her left lung, right? And both lungs are black. I mean, like black as jet coal. And in the new pictures, the lungs are much lighter colored and there's no mass, no damage, no nothing. And she said, just like the other one said, she was immersed in some blue plasma on board one of the gray ships. You can only take them at their word as far as the gray thing, but as far as the medical side of it, they have proof that they had the cancer and now it's gone. Stage four cancer just don't go away. It, it, it's not something that happens unless your Trust body, me, I know. Yeah, 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 unless your body was exposed to some kind of new super drug, it's not not going to happen. My, well, my dad died of cancer, so it just it just doesn't go away. But it's um. So for them to go away, I mean, there are cases of remission in cancer that you hear about, but never in a, in a stage four. Um, you know, no, you hear it's about, rare. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just mm-hmm. – and not like this where there's no damage or anything, anything after. But it, what's odd about that, if you go back to the mid-80s and get into the missing baby syndrome, for a while there, there was report after report after report. Women were pregnant and then they would – then all of a sudden they weren't. What was funny about this was because the doctors were saying it was spontaneous abortion. It was this. It was that. It was this. But they were saying the baby was was you know being aborted in some type of way or being lost in some type of way. So eventually the women started going. They would go get tested and they would find out they were pregnant. A couple of them had ultrasounds, uh, which was back then what I imagine was outrageously expensive because it was, it was 
brand new technology. technology. Right, yeah. right. So I imagine that was outrageously expensive. But afterwards, mm. a, a lot of the women started going back in and getting their blood work and all. So the first kicker was the doctor started saying, well, your hormones are back in balance after one day. Well, that's not how it works. It usually takes women six to eight weeks for the hormones to balance out after having a baby. Right. So the doctor was kind of like, well, that's strange. So in a couple of cases, the doctor decided to do a physical examination. And, and as far as they could tell, the women had never been pregnant. There was no damage to the uterus. There was no damage wow. to anything. You couldn't even find where the umbilical cord had grown. So they were taking these babies, and however they did it, they basically were regenerating the body. A lot of that technology, when you listen to people talk about it, sounds like something out of Generation Star Trek, not out of the first Star Trek. Right. But since Generations wasn't around yet, you can't really blame it on them. Now you could because you know get all you know Star Trek and Babylon Five and all these other series that have come along uh, that you can you can that talk about all this stuff now. But back then they didn't have those. It's it's they're all Henry. Go ahead. Real quick, uh, Joe, uh, not to cut you off, but uh, okay. why isn't some of this on the mainstream news? I mean, if somebody's missing a baby from their womb and there's proof that they were pregnant, uh, and now there's proof that they were like never pregnant. Uh, it, why isn't this on mainstream news? Why is the mainstream news hiding this? Besides the, the clear objective, which is the cover-up. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, they do report some UFO stuff. Why not this? Well, you know, I've asked myself that a million times. I've actually asked other reporters that, you know, now that I've been doing a lot of political stuff and getting a little claim for my name, you know, I tell people. I'm honest with them. I said, oh, no, I'm involved in looking at this because there's, there's something real in this. And for some reason, I present enough credibility about myself that they let me walk on both sides right now, which isn't going to happen forever. But uh, they are right now. And right. Um, when I talk to other reporters and all, they're all the same way. He said, well, Joe, none of our producers are going to let this go through. Uh, even he said – there was one case I actually brought them. Well, the when I was talking about the two ladies with the cancer, I actually brought this mm-hmm. to it. I sent this whole thing along with about ten other cases to uh, I think it was ABC. No, it was NBC, and they wrote back and they were very interested. And I said I could get all these people to talk. And then about two weeks later, I'm sorry, about two months later, I got a, a real nice letter from NBC saying, "Thank you for your interest, but we're not interested in this type of topic matter. It's too controversial for our network." Maybe so in the 80s, NBC wasn't wow. the kind of network. You know, may, maybe so, but uh, I, w- I was stunned. I mean, this, this is a major story. Anybody who breaks this story, this is a major story. And, and since you had such good witnesses and, and such good evidence, you would have thought they wanted to jump on. Nah, they right. don't. But it, it, it's the same thing today in today's media, even when you're dealing with regular or everyday politics. You've got to wonder mm-hmm. why. You know, it's like any story you see. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a race story, a hate story, a crime. You get this kind of news now. You get NBC side and Always Fox's side. Yep. And you don't get any real news in between. You get a bunch mm-hmm. of commentary on what everybody thinks. But right. you don't get any real news. And and nobody seems to challenge – you know, come on. In the old days, if, if, if there would have been this many um, – problems like the IRS and the Benghazi stuff in any administration, every reporter and their mama through the 70s and 80s and even the early 90s would have been all over the White House. It's like today they're scared to even go to the White House. I know Obama did have like six of them arrested, so maybe that's why, but, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know, and, uh, well, you know, you know, I, I love to pick on Obama, but in all fairness, two of the ones he had arrested deserved it. They were, they were dead, definitely crossed the line uh, and was putting out information that was definitely considered classified. The other four were not, but, you know, 
they were talking bad about the emperor and he got mad about it. So <laughs> it, it, it still should. And you know, you notice they don't let any anti-Obama reporters into the White House anymore. Not now, anymore, I, no. no. I got to give Bush credit. He let all the idiots in the White House for that. He was an idiot, but he let the other idiots in. <laughs> so, so I guess it balanced its way out. But this guy is just a, a whole different guy. And, and you see, and we always talk about what presidents get to know. Grant Cameron and I have had many discussions on this. Mm-hmm. What presidents get to do and what don't. Well, we both agree that it's only the two-term presidents. But which two-term president? Well, we know Clinton wasn't told, and we're pretty sure right. Obama wasn't told. We know Reagan was told because of some of the speeches he made. Daddy Bush, we're pretty sure he knew because he was, well, he was head of the CIA. Oh, I'm, I'm positive the entire Bush family knows what's going oh, on. Oh, I, I, mean, I do now, yeah. Because yeah, they're was, one of the most powerful families on the planet to, yeah, to begin they, with. and they are. And, and Daddy was head of the CIA before right. he was vice president and president. So here you got a guy, four years CIA head, eight years uh-huh. VP, four years yep. president. Yeah, 12 years in the White House, he knows things that none of us want to know about, trust me. And don't think he didn't go tell his son because George Bush took a keen interest in ufology and took Uh a keen interest in what was going on in the Middle East. Um, What kind of connection do you see there? Well, whatever his daddy was over there doing, because remember, Daddy Bush was on the march. He was looking for something. He was going across that country. I mean, he was bombing, you know, what's his name's house and stuff like that, appease the public. But once they killed his daughter in that raid, he lost public uh, – um, the public just got tired of it and then wanted to pull out. So we started drawing back. So it cost him his, his, next, his next bid against uh, Clinton. Of course, Clinton was better looking too, so that always helps. But um, that's one of the things that cost him. But he was looking for something. Whatever he was looking, he sent baby Bush over there to find it. And I'm pretty sure baby Bush found it. I just don't know what it is. There's a lot of speculation that they, there was a Stargate or there was a downed craft. Oh, I've heard about the Stargate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's been a yeah. lot, a lot of speculation, and I, I've had a lot of friends stationed in both wars over there, both in Desert Storm and the stuff going on that was going on a few years ago. And they've reported sightings and weird stuff in the areas. Uh, when Bush was in, he was in uh, the end of his first term. A guy had wrote to me and told me about a location they had found. It was an old abandoned city. He figured it was a couple, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand years old. It was covered in dust, and he said all of a sudden, out of the blue. They moved four entire battle groups there. He said, we were defending a piece of dirt, Joe, in the middle of nowhere. He said, four battle groups, not four squadrons, four battle groups. That's like 20,000 soldiers and their equipment per group. It's expensive dirt. So, yeah, he's, he got 100,000 people deployed in Iraq. We got lucky, 200,000 people deployed yeah. all the entire Middle East, and we got 100,000 of them in one location. Eh, <laughs> something, something, you know. Some fish is going on in that location. But yeah. what it was or who it was, I don't know, you know. And uh, and it's funny you brought up Michio Keku because him and I had had a couple of Scott interviewed him a couple of times. And uh, oh, no likes, kidding. I've been I've been trying to get him on the show oh, for dude, a long he, time. He He's loves so to talk him. ufology stuff. I know, I know. He, he's, and look, if there's one scientist who I would love to, you know, just talk to for a few minutes about ufology is Mitchell Kaku. You, you are oh, my yeah. UFO on the cover page, right? He's a contributor to my UFO. On the yeah, page. no, I know, and I, I'm so yeah. envious. Yeah, right, 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 right <laughs> on the page. Well, he, he's he cracked me up one night because I put him on a spot. He's telling me all this stuff. I said, "Look, Mitchie, I, I know you're you're a theor- theoretical physicist." I said, "I understand physics pretty good. I was taught pretty well." I got two friends of mine are professors that I've been debating for over a decade, actually two decades now, but 
I said, and he was, he said it on the air. He was quite impressed with the amount of physics I knew. And he said, I've never met a radio show or a TV show host that actually understood what the hell I was talking about. So, so it was just funny to hear him say it. So we, 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 and I told him because him and I had got off into a tantrum. I said, we got to stop. I said, because I'm losing my audience. I was watching people drop on servers left and right. It was a great conversation, but it was way over the head of the average listener. And I didn't mean it to be that way. It was just we got into a personal conversation on the air is what happened. Right, right. So, so I said, well, let's change. I said, let's talk about deep space exploration and how can humans get in there. So I introduced him to the stepping stone theory that I introduced on Coast to Coast, which was somebody else's theory, not mine. I don't want to take credit for it. I've just been spreading it around. So I said, well, meet you. Yeah, stepping stone, which means first thing we do is establish a base in the moon. Second thing we do is oh, establish yeah. – we establish a launching platform in zone L11, which is a little area between the moon and Mars, which is outside the asteroid belt. Next thing we do is establish a, a base on Mars. Next thing we do is we start establishing several bases inside the astro, asteroid belt so we can start mining it. Right. Yep. Next yep. thing we do is establish another colony out near Jupiter, Saturn, around t- Sirius, Tire, mm-hmm. Titan, one of the moons, maybe two bases out there. The next one will be at the edge of the Oort cloud. Now, we're halfway to Proxima and Centauri now. We're two light years out once we reach the edge of the Oort cloud. From there, you go halfway between there and Proxima Centauri, which is one light year out, and you set up another base. So now you've got a stepping stone from Earth to Proxima Centauri, which is 3.8 light years away at light speed. So even at half a light speed, you can get there in eight years, and you don't have to be one trip. You can go hang out in Mars, and some people on Mars can go to that one. And the next one can go there, and they can just step their way out, and there will always be traffic going and coming back and forth from this area. Once you get to Proxima Centauri, you do the next thing. You go to the next one, and you just keep doing it. We've talked about this because one of science's best things is, oh, well, they couldn't be coming to Earth fast and light travel is impossible. Because of the galaxy is 100,000 light years across, if you are gray and if you could travel half a light speed, which they think we should be able to achieve easily, you could explore the whole known galaxy in 250,000 years. And if you're an old race like they're supposed to be like a billion years, not only have they explored it, they have bases and materials all over the place. They've probably explored right. it a thousand times already. And who knows that some of these beings live a lot longer than we do? I mean, we're comparing well, the them greatest, to us. The greatest they could be thousands of years old. Well, they say the greys have unlimited lifespans. It's, it's only if something kills them. And the reptilians and humans have extremely long ones. They're talking hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million plus years. So, and, and eventually we will get there. I mean we're already getting close to 100 years. I've heard Masters and Johnson's talking about they can turn off the aging gene and stuff like yes, that. Yes, I heard about that. Yeah, I, so, I saw a piece on that. So week, you, you can start seeing lifespans, you know, mm-hmm. 1,000, 1,500. What you'll have to start seeing is replaceable organs because of gravity will – wear down some of the organs, but uh, turning the aging genes off a good thing. And then they're talking about turning on um, – oh, what's the ones they take from the the aborted babies? Um, stem cells. Stem cells, yeah. yeah. They're talking about regenerating stem cells and turning them on your body so that they will just rejuvenate, like growing back arms, growing back cells, things right, like that. Right, right. Well, they've kind of already done something similar to that in the lab with uh, – yeah. remember the mouse that had the ear growing out of it? Yeah, they, they, they grew an ear, they grew stuff a like nose, that, yeah. they've, they've mm-hmm. grown a couple of things, and you know they've also put the chip in the guy's head. Uh, right. So we, we, we've, we, there's a lot going on. They're working with now. Oh, science is, science is going crazy. Right now, they're, they're even on the, uh, on the cusp of transplanting a human head to a new body. Yeah. Well, That's happening. I've got to interrupt and ask a question. Yeah. With all the leapfrogging that you're thinking about doing, here's the question. What do you think they actually – what do you think the governments or the 
New World Order or whoever, what do you think they already have in space at this point? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you a couple things I know they've got. One, about 10 years ago, a, a group of doctors came out and introduced the fact that it should not be hard to upload your consciousness onto a disk, on a computer, and upload it into a new body. Uh, it's one of the things that aliens do on a regular basis, and they're pretty sure now the government actually has a working prototype of that. So if you're filthy, piggy, rich, like Rush Limbaugh or somebody, you're going to probably get to live to be really, really a long, long time. Or if you're somebody very powerful in a key position, you're going to probably get to live a much longer. And that's starting now. We know that the, the, the TR-3Bs have been around since at least the 80s. Uh, remember, everybody forgets this, but the first SR-71 Blackbird to fly – I mean not the mm -hmm. first SR-71, the first uh, the first X-117 flew in 1979, remember? Right. We yep. didn't find out about it until Desert Storm supposedly. <laughs> right. so yeah. That's 20 years after the fact. Uh -huh. Everybody forgets the SR-71 is still the fastest, stealthiest plane on the planet, which is retired, by the way, and mm -hmm. uh, we built it in the 50s. I wonder oh, how yeah, many, we've how had many... nothing since – We've had no, no, no upgrades since. Right. I wonder how many yeah. uh, reports in the 50s and 60s and 70s were uh, where people thought they were seeing UFOs were actually oh. just that. Oh, you guarantee a lot. Thousands, I'm sure. Yeah, a lot of well, them. And even today, a lot of I, look, and this is something we talk about on the show a lot. Yeah, aliens are coming. Yeah, they're out there. I agree that you, you know, UFOs are real. But a, a lot of the reports, even today, are, I'm positive, uh, crafts that are originated here on Earth, well, created by us, back engineered, however you want to put it. Well, uh, but there are flying them. And, and this is nothing that aggravates me about UFO groups. They never investigated, mm -hmm. right? I got advanced degrees in avionics, electronics, and aircraft recognition. And what bothers me about UFO groups is they just don't do it right. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> first off, all right, this, just to put this in perspective, X-117 starts flying. We start getting reports from Southern California mm -hmm. all the way to Pensacola about these weird black triangles flying in the sky. So one day I get an odd idea. I said, let's take a look at what's between these areas where they're being seen. First off, the Southern California all the way through to New Mexico is all restricted airspace. There's nothing flying in there but these things. When you get south to where we are, you can go the Gulf of Mexico all the way across to, to Eglin Air Force Base in Pensacola, make the turn, cross over Interstate 10. There is nothing but woods from there all the way back to California. Nothing. I mean, there's nothing there along that right. section of that highway. And as long as uh -huh. you know it, you can zing along. And, and, and some people will see you, like yep. Stevensville. Stevensville was definitely not alien. It was definitely conventional. I actually had someone at Boeing confirm it for me. Um, the, the thing about it is, 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 is they're just not doing it right. If, if they mm -hmm. would use some common sense and look around and see, U, UFO sightings, real UFO sightings usually happen near deep water channels. Or near very large military facilities, national parks, they're seen at a lot. But it's, it's, it's in places where there's massive groups of people and easy places to hide. National parks are huge with lots of land. They're easy places to hide. Military facilities, they probably have a place on the facility. Deep water, we see underwater UFOs all the time. So these are all places they can move around freely and not have to be harassed by the general public. The parks, I think they just right. like it's, it's easy because we busted the grays uh, about 15 years ago in Gulf Breeze, Florida. We found out that they actually bring groups of people. They take them for a week at a time and stuff. No we've kidding, got, Gulf Breeze. So, so the whole, the whole flap in the 80s and 90s at, at Gulf Breeze, you, you think those were legit cases? Some of them were, some of them were not. But even today, we, we've got cases where, and this is what's so great about these cases because so there's so much evidence. Here's a family, mm -hmm. checks into the Sand Dunes Hotel, Pensacola Beach, right? Checks in on a Sunday. Uh, 
Um, check out the following Sunday. No big deal, right? Check in, check out. So the clerk said, well, where would y'all go all week? We haven't seen you. He said, what do you mean? We've been here all – It's it, first off uh, – oh, wait, wait. I, I got the story. Hold on, let me get the story correct. So Sunday, <laughs> so Sunday comes – well, no, 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 no. I was Because the way they checked out was important. They Sunday morning they woke up and um, they were doing a wrestling around, doing something. And 12 o'clock came and the girl came to the came by the room to put a note on the door to see if they were going to stay any longer. And the guy senior said, well, what's up? We just paid yesterday. She said, no, sir. It's been a week. And of course, the guy was like, "What do you mean?" So he went down to confront the lady, you know, because as far as he's concerned, he checked in yesterday. So he got down and got in a heated battle. It's all on tape, by the way. Uh, cops came out and everything. Um, so everything's on tape. They've got videotape of them checking in, and when he came to the office, there's no videotape of them anywhere on the hotel grounds, leaving or coming from once they entered their room on Sunday. There was cameras in the hallways, cameras on the elevators, cameras at the exits, cameras at the elevator exits. Nowhere could these – because the cops looked. Hmm. Nowhere could they be found. We have 100, 150, maybe 200 cases like this in Golf Breeze. Uh, they just bring them down. It's like they bring them down in mass. They, they must call and, and you know, a bunch of families come down and they check in and then poof, they're gone. And what got us to really look at this was the hotel things and the people reporting it. And one night – my wife and I were on um, Santa Rosa Island, Opal Beach area, which is a national park that's between Navarre and Pensacola. So we're driving down there, and we've been driving all night long because it's a beautiful place to go sky watch. I mean, it's 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 the sky is stunning, the ocean is stunning. There's nobody. No out ambient there. light. No, no ambient light. I, I know exactly where you're talking about. It's it's beautiful, 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 beautiful. So. We had noticed that there was cars in all these rest areas, so we went out. We stopped the first stop. There was like five cars, so we figured when we walked off the edge of the pier, there'd be people on the beach. Didn't see anybody, so I broke out my night scope to see if I could see anybody. I didn't see anybody. It's good for about two miles. I didn't see anybody anywhere. I'm like, well, that's a little weird. Maybe they're somewhere else. Maybe they're out of range. Uh, go to the next one. Same thing. Go to the next one. We went to six stops. We did this for almost two years, and this is what happened every time. You could not find anyone on the beach anywhere. And about 5 a.m., you would pull into these rest areas, and they would all be waking up, stretching in their car all at the same time. We got that on video, by the way. Uh, uh, no kidding. So I'm kind of like, okay, that's a little odd. <laughs> so one <laughs> night, we're out there doing this, and we're at the big rest area where the bathrooms and all are. And a little four-wheeler, I'm watching this four-wheeler coming down the beach. He's doing his thing. He gets in front of us, turns, and puts his lights on, and comes straight in front of my car with his lights on. And he does his little dee dee dee. I guess it's a little horn. I was giggling about it. So I get out and he said, I don't want to see he goes, I don't want to see you here again. And I just looked at him like, whatever. <laughs> and and uh, he said, No, no, no. I really, I'm being serious. I don't want to see you here again. I said, Okay, well you'll see her next time or one of the other people. I said, We're not gonna give this up. I said, You can threaten me all day long. Someone's just gonna step in and take my place. We know there's something going on here. I said, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it now. We know. We've witnessed people being taken on the beach there in a group, by the way. We actually, in a group, we brought a group down there and they witnessed people being taken off the beach. On top of that, we brought another group right after. Like, how were they, how were they taken? How were they being taken? Were they like hovering off the ground and just. Well, we call it, we call it, we call it the surfing alien incidents, which I hate to say because it makes it sound so, so. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, really, it, really, it's the only way the to surf describe it. The surfing alien, okay. So what you've seen was at first we're all sitting there 
And uh, I forgot who it was. Said, "You see that weird glow out in the water?" I said, "Yeah, I don't know what that is." And uh, it started getting a little brighter, a little brighter, a little brighter. And then you seen it in about eight or ten spots. And there was people on both sides. There was lots of them, you know, making out, doing whatever they, you know you do on the beach at three o'clock in the morning. Right, there's right, a lot right. of people, and I mean, there's there's a good chunk of you know people out there. And it's a busy beach. It's midsummer, and um, so all of a sudden, my stepdaughter goes, "Joe, is he hurt? That's what she said. She says he's surfing." <laughs> and what they were, it looked like they were on some little these rectangular, squarish-looking platforms that were hovering about, I don't know, eight or twelve inches above the wave, not above the water, but above the peak of the wave. Oh wow! And, uh, and they were just riding it in, and then when it get to the beach, it would set down on the grass. They would walk over and do the thing where they looked at the person and pointed, and they would just pass out, and they would just grab them and pick them up and take them back. But this oh, was wow. the, the really weird part was they would grab them. And as they were getting back on the board and heading to the water, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to drag these people head down and drown their asses, right? <laughs> but as soon as they got on the board, you would see a white light. So I don't know if there was something open and letting them go underground or if it was some type of transportation that was zapping them as they went into it because you really couldn't tell. It was so brilliant white that you didn't know. So this is the funny part. A friend of mine sitting there and, and a couple of fellow investigators said, we got to go, Joe. You know we're next, right? Because there's nobody left on the beach but us. <laughs> Run. And he's like, I was like, dude, do you really think running's going to help at this point? Really? Uh, probably not. And um, I forgot who it was. She kept saying, I'm hearing this voice saying, no, y'all okay. Y'all said you wanted to see this. Said you wanted, you, you needed to be able to keep interest. Y'all wanted to see. Y'all wanted to see. Well, here you can see. And uh, I was like, maybe, maybe not. I didn't know what to think at that point, to be honest with you. So we sat there for about another hour and 15 minutes, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I, I hear this girl going, oh, baby, oh, baby. I look over there. They're doing a wild thing next to us. I'm like, that could be 15 feet from us. I'm thinking, you don't even see us sitting here. Get the, out of here, man. Come on. And then I hear these people down at the thing. Oh, and that night, there was a group of gay guys running around naked on the beach, which I thought was funny because um, <laughs> it was just funny as hell. They, they were being so crazy and cutting up. Uh, it's nothing about it being gay. It was just it was just funny the way they were doing. Well, they were just being uh, happy. Yeah, there was eight, eight or ten of them, and um, <laughs> when they came back, they were all like naked still, but sitting on the side the 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 um oh the the walkway, just like uh what just happened? And <laughs> as I'm walking by, the guy said, "You'll be okay tomorrow. Don't worry about it." I said, "Just <laughs> don't even think about it. Just go to sleep and." Just, Nothing weird happened to you. The other guy's like, take a couple of quaaludes, you'll be all right. In the, morning. Yeah, the, the other guy goes, "You're just being, you're just pacifying." And I said, "Yeah." And, he, and the one guy says, "Well, y'all are dressed." I said, "Y'all weren't dressed to start with." That's what the problem was. It was just too funny, and the whole night was so surreal. It was, it was, it was like life altering and hilariously funny at the same time. I just. It just and then the one the one the night a couple of months after Katrina, you know, I own a construction company in New Orleans, and uh, I do radio. I got a radio station, UPR, and one hundred seven point seven down here too. But I do construction where I make most of my money at. And I was really busy after Katrina, so everybody who listened to me radio, a lot of people were volunteering to come down and help. Well, they knew they were going to get paid, but still, they were volunteering to come down. I had people as far as northern Canada come down. Uh, matter of fact, a good friend of mine, Canuck, one of my uh, directors from Canada, he was down as well. Well, there's like 15 of us one night. We pile in two vehicles in one of the foggiest nights I have ever seen in my entire life, and we head for Florida. Now, I'm in New Orleans. It's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive. So we're driving in fog. You can't see anything. So we get to Navarre Beach. We're 80 feet from Eglin Air Force Base. 
everybody piles out the car. We're going to walk up the beach and hang out for a while. So we, we grab the ice chest. The girls all get in front of us. They're about 15 feet in front of us. You can't see them because the fog is so thick. But I, we could hear them talking. And so we're walking along, walking along. About a half hour goes by. I hear one of them go. Joe, I have to stop you. Uh, uh, we are to wrap up here in less than a minute. Uh, get to the end real quick because I want to hear the end of that story. Well, Fast and Furious, uh, there was something walking between us. And it freaked everybody out, but we couldn't find it. So, so we stopped off in his gazebo, and we were hanging out for a little while. When one of the guys, this gray came down from the roof, down the pole like a cockroach. Man, came down the pole, got on the pole, stood there, looked around at us all, walked off, headed like he was going towards the bathroom. Some bright white came on, and he disappeared. And there was fifteen witnesses to this. Wow. Not only three of them even lived down here. Um, a lot of these people, it was just crazy. But that's what I'm saying. We, we, what, the way we do investigations, it's hard to get away from it because it's never just usually just one person. There's always a group involved. But I know you got to close out, so I'll behave myself. We, we, we got to close, Joe. It's yeah, awesome. We're going to have you back. That's for oh, sure. anytime. Man. Definitely. I'll, I'll have to have you back on quick. Give up the website one more time before we, we leave on here. We have 30 uh, seconds. Go for www.icar1.com. Check it out, guys. We're there all the time. Joe, you're awesome. Thank you for being on the show, my friend. It's long overdue, and it's been a pleasure having you on. Anytime. I had a blast, guys. Guys, this is Skywatchers Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio signing off for the evening. Uh, I'm Angel. That's the other guy, and that's Joe, the epic guest tonight. We'll be back next week with more talk radio. See you then. Stay safe. Mm-hmm.